You're listening to episode 14-1 of the Teching Podcast. Back from summer break, tan tone and ready to troll. I'm as white as a fish belly. That is tan for me. And I am your host, Robert Desert Eagle Allen. With me today is Eric Blue Swim. I believe the podcast has retired and unretired more times than Terry Funk at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also bringing the funk, Sage Samaridge Morris Green. Hello, I'm feeling funky fresh. And just plain fresh is Jeremy Lawman Lamont. Actually, I'm just plain funky. I uh, I don't have the fresh today, so oh, okay. keep your distance. You guys know I tried to work out a deal with Apple to have this podcast automatically added to the world's iTunes library, but uh, Tim Cook, he didn't get back to me in time, so I want to thank Bastard. the listeners for downloading the show manually. It uh, is not a beautiful day. No, and, and just for that, we're going to offer some extra special impressions. Who wants to start? Blue does. Oh, crap. Kind of got hooked on uh, MLB The Show 14, and I don't really get hooked on sports games very often. Uh, you know, I, WWE. I picked, yeah, that, that's pretty much the only sports or sports-like genre I really get, I really get hardcore into. But I, I'm a casual baseball fan. Uh, you know, I, not as much since I moved down to Tennessee – uh, because you know, I, I was I grew up outside D.C. and I was always able to watch the Baltimore Orioles. And you know, I, I grew up during the Cal Ripken era, and you know, it, it was a great time to be an Orioles fan. But uh, judging by their win loss record, I say now is a pretty good time too. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I'm like I said, I don't play very many baseball games. I think the last baseball game I bought brand new was. Major League Baseball 2K5 or ESPN MLB 2K5, depending on how you want to view I it. They're going to say Baseball Simulator 1.000. <laughs> I held out for 2.0. <laughs> Did they make it 2.0? I have no idea. That was for the NES. That's where you could throw the crazy ball. Didn't they do like some sort of a cybernetic update to it on the Super Nintendo? Or am I thinking of something completely different? Maybe you're thinking of like, what was the 2020? One? Maybe. That might be it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that was the last baseball game I really bought. And the MLB The Show 14, even on the PS Vita, which is where, where I've been playing it, it's a really, really damn good baseball game. <laughs> I mean, it, now for this one, I, from my understanding, they took out the online play, but online has never really been the series' strong suit to begin with, especially on a portable but I, I dove headfirst into the season mode, and of course, I picked Baltimore. Um, I like your use of metaphors. <laughs> of course, you know, it's got to slide in home. <laughs> Why does it uh, sound dirty when you say it? Me? Who, mm-hmm. me? So yes, it sounds you're... dirty when I say it? Yes. Mr. Innuendo? Very dirty. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I tried out the season mode, and I must admit, one one decision I regret doing was I set it towards a really short season. I think I did it uh, 16 games, something along those lines. Uh, I, you, could, uh, you could play the full... Uh, uh, 162. Oh. Yeah, you can, you can play the full um, 162 games. Uh, you know, that's always intimidated me. And... You know, I you know I don't like skipping ahead of games. It's, I, I like to sit down and play every single game because whenever the computer simulates something and I lose, I curse my ass off. I'm like, ah, son of a bitch, I should have played it myself. Um, 
<laughs> it's true. It's true. Or you get 140 games in and then you lose. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I mean, the Baltimore Orioles have been kicking ass in real life. And, you know, I had Simmet uh, in MLB The Show and I'd lose, lose again, win one, lose, lose again. Uh, okay, screw this. I'm playing it myself. And by, by, simul- or by you know, setting this short season, I feel like I've really messed up because I could have been playing along with the actual season as it's progressing. But I mean, we're already in September. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of defeats the purpose to play along with the actual MLB season. You know, uh, oh, hey, it's uh, June 31st. I'll play the game for June 31st, uh, you know, and then progress like that. Uh, but, you know, p- by playing a short season, I kind of blew through it. And then I got to the playoffs and I got swept. And luckily, it was only a sixteen-game investment. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of what that's what it really hammered home to me was I don't really like team sports games because you know you know everything will be on the line for this one game, and for the life of me, I can't hit a base hit to save my soul. Or you know, I think I, I think I pulled. Pulled out like a late a late game home run, and I would tie the game up, and my damn pitcher would screw up, and send a bottom of the ninth home run out, and I would just be cursing my head off. I, I may or may not in complete complete disgust. I, I may have uh, spit on my feet at one point. I thought and you were going <laughs> to jump into manager mode and trade him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I would have, but you know that's that's another thing that really intimidates me about sports games. You know, you have to manage salary caps, and um, oh god, it's like I said, I'm a casual sports fan. I can't even think of the terminology to describe when I'm uh, what I'm trying to think of. You know, um, oh god, I can't even think of it. Uh, but it's just sometimes I just like to play a simple, a simple baseball game. I. I I grew up on Ken Griffey Jr. baseball, you oh, know, yeah. on the Super Nintendo and the N64 game as well. I Remember don't Tommy Lasorda it... baseball, where the ball would get, like, huge on the screen when you hit a pop fly? Yeah. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> it would make that little whistling that. sound. It would go, like, right up. It tried Very to emulate 3D. Yeah, that was, All that was I remember awesome. Tommy Lasorda Slim Fast commercials where he would eat a lot of spaghetti. <laughs> Have a, that, have a slim fast and still be fat. That's yeah. That's <laughs> I know. Like they that I, guy, wait, like, why would you choose Tommy Lasorda as a spokesperson? For exactly. Slim fast? Like the only oh. thing I took away from it was that guy. He's. I mean, even as a kid in the eighties, I was like, that guy eats a lot of spaghetti. <laughs> right. Maybe if he wouldn't, he'd be three times as big. So. Oh man. That's Maybe the, they had a the plan to do like a before and after, and the after just never happened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but. yeah he kind of hit the buffet too hard again <laughs> but yeah i mean if, if from what i played of mlb the show and i played quite a bit I, I played almost every game of spring training and it was an entire month of spring ter- uh, spring training whoa plus the short season i played every game in that and why did, why did you know why didn't you skip spring training well, I was still kind of get you know grabbing the basics because I, oh, I I've no. never played the MLB the, the show series save for uh, one game that was a pack in with the PSP that I bought uh, you know a couple of years ago. Um, you know I've, I've never really played much of MLB the show, and 
I really don't play baseball games in general. It's like when I first started out, I was using the classic method, which was, you know, just the ball comes down towards the towards home plate, hit the button to swing. And by the by the end of spring training, I was starting to get into the rhythm of it a little bit. And I switched over to the manual aiming. And I think that's and that's one thing that kind of threw me when I switched over to the manual aim, which, you know, you can move the control stick around to, you know, aim where your ba- your batter is going to swing. I wanted I wanted the option to invert the controls because I think part of the problem was, you know, I'm so used to aiming up by tilting down that when I have to aim up by tilting up, I would completely screw up. It just it's like I couldn't reprogram my brain. So you want an airplane mode for the baseball bat? Yeah, pretty much. I I think that's a fa- that's a fair assessment. I'm trying to wrap my mind around that one. Well, you know, it's like you you, know, you have to aim with the control stick, mm-hmm. and you know, tilting down to move it up. It's just it, it, it's like it, that's just how my brain has been programmed, thanks to all the you know flying Invert, games. Right. And, I mean, it's like twenty years worth of ga- gaming knowledge that I'm trying to fight against. Yeah, I play a lot of flying, you know, flight simulations, but when I play baseball, it's it's almost like a different di- different type of feel for me so I never I've heard that. people say somebody needs to do a study into this I mean there needs to be a full-on like scientific community investigation here I've heard some people say that the way they they work it in their brains is they it's like somebody like if you imagine a, a person who has a broomstick stuck right through their face all the way through to the other side and if you pull any if you grab the broomstick behind their head and pull it down they look up and, and like that's how they Mm-hmm. I I don't know I don't know but it is it is like some form of like like sensory dysesthesia or something right I mean, but it, what it, I'm it, saying is for different it's games a sickness. I, I can ad, I can adapt no I agree yeah, don't, and you don't know most it, people or, or most people not the, that the way? one the one I have the trouble with is is not so much the up and down but sometimes the left and right like if a game doesn't have the option for that it usually takes me the first five minutes every time I sit down just to be looking in the correct direction. Uh, and then every once in a while, perversely, like sometimes I find that the opposite works better for the game, and I start so, to question myself. It feels so really backwards, ca- <laughs> backwards camera control. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. like it's the same thing, Inverted. and that's the one that really bugs me. But generally, yeah. if I can focus on the reticle, like usually if it gives yeah. me a targeting thing, I'm like, okay, up is up, down is down. But yeah, generally I make Mouse fun of mode. people for using. Well, I think part mode. of that is the constraint of having a bot. Like your body twists in all these subtle ways when you go to do something like swinging a, a bat or a golf club or whatever, and they, I don't think they have a sophisticated enough mapping of all those little intricate twists that your body does. When so it ends up feeling off because it's like the whole figure is moving as one unit which you don't really do when you do any just like every time they demo connect they'd get wiggle foot wiggle foot (laughs) yeah wiggle foot good old wiggle foot (laughs) sometimes that happened when i'd play connect just your foot would just start spazzing out and go wonky and bend different a don bluth movie and then you know you're getting way too into it when in real life your foot like sympathetically starts twitching and then you know you should take a break. Wow, that never happened. <laughs> hey, check out the bottom of my foot. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what, was, that's what I was referring to. That was great moments in Microsoft Press history. Right. <laughs> and now you'll never have to worry about it again because the Kinect has been permanently put out to pasture. They're selling them for like 150 bucks now. Nobody's going to buy those for $150. I wouldn't buy that for a buck fifty. 
Yeah, Probably. but isn't that because it's now included with the Xbox One? No, no, it's because they took it out from being included with the Xbox One. Oh. Where have you been the past? Hey, yeah. remember, remember how I stopped paying attention to the Xbox One and I bashed it so much they disinvited me to their press conference and therefore I'm not paying attention to it at all anymore. Remember That's that? Okay because nobody else is either, especially in town. <laughs> oh, See? That's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah, I think PS4 won again. In I, the I think Odyssey it really DVDs. did. It's just so much better. You know. It, I mean, well, can I talk about like, what I am playing on Xbox One? What have you been playing on Xbox One? I'm one of Destiny's children. Yeah, uh, everyone is really? losing their shit over Destiny. Ryan won't stop telling me to buy a PS4 so that we can play together. That's hmm, the correct probably. answer. I, I'm i not going to judge Robert's decision to play it on the Xbox, but <laughs> kind well, of wrong. That's what was sent, uh, so it's all tapped. Oh. Be- besides being a uh, <laughs> one of the few... Probably American reviewers with an, a natural love for uh, anime and JRPGs. I have one other distinctive trait, much like Sage. Uh, I, I actively try to avoid preview coverage, uh, majority of press releases, and kind of online hype for a title. And so when, when we got invited, uh, invited to play Destiny at E3, I was, I was a little surprised, just shocked at how much money Activision was throwing behind it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that it was Bungie's next big title, and that carried the type of expectations that would you know, accompany uh, a title of that stature. But at E3, we were ushered into this enormous room, and, and before that, they had this kind of uh, Disney's Haunted Mansion type of you know, uh, thing where the lights went out, and it felt very much like that uh, amusement park ride. Uh, but after that, we were ushered, and there was at least four dozen people uh, playing two different sets of PvP. And I started to get this vague idea of how big the game would be. Um, when we exited, we saw this wall full of Game of Show awards, probably more than any other title there. And I yep. knew, knew something really big was brewing. Um, so now the game is out, and it's been reported. Now I heard it's one of the most expensive productions to date, uh, reportedly costing half a billion dollars, um, but strangely getting few press reviews. So uh, the big question is, how is it? And the answer my friends, is uh, it's a hell of a lot like Borderlands, at least to me. Um, so th- there are a number of light role-playing elements, uh, like a tech tree, um, basic stats. There's a claptrap-like ro- robot, robotic companion. Um, there's some solid shooting mechanics. And, of course, you know numbers fly off uh, each time you blast somebody in lieu of a viscera. The, and I think that comparisons are inevitable, just the environmental layouts and things like that. But let me kind of dig into... Um, a little bit more detail, uh, the storyline. Now, first, I, I like ambiguity in film and in cinematics. Uh, I hate being spoon-fed every kind of minute detail. But but that said, Destiny's opening set piece and voiceover was a little confusing to me. Uh, the opening tells, actually it shows, doesn't tell, there's no voiceover uh, for, for, the, for this part of the introduction. Three astronauts, they journey to Mars where they discover... Uh, a huge construction known as the Traveler. Uh, now, the first time I saw the opening, I had no idea what the thing it was. From the perspective, it looked like this giant moon that dwarfed the planet. And I was like, it was Wait. Mark from Orc coming down <laughs> in his oh, egg. Yes. R.I.P. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> he brought me down, Jeremy. Anyway, the, the <laughs> plot... The plot um, 
is the, is the traveler endows mankind with new knowledge and technology, but its presence, uh, I'm guessing... Did you knowledge nano nano uh, I'm guessing here <laughs> so far because it's it's pretty nebulous. Uh, it, it lures out this evil known as the darkness to take over the planet, uh, leaving a single outpost, which is called the city. Everything's uh, these terms that are capitalized, uh, which is protected by the traveler. And what's interesting is the plot is has nearly the same things... Uh, themes as Firefall storyline, uh, an MMO I just reviewed, and um, with the and one of the things is the discovery of this new thing, which is all great and wonderful, opens this Pandora's box of cataclysmic uh, suffering. And I'm not saying that one studio copied another. I remember when Dante's Peak and Volcano both showed LA kind of a you know the, this LA or this lava producing mound coming out right. of uh, downtown or uh, what was the other one Armageddon and Deep Impact was about this asteroid that's about to hit Earth but but I'm fascinated when both um, you know th- there's there's both there's two properties that come out with a very similar idea uh, mm-hmm. it's ants like they're capturing ants and what oh bugs life and yeah bugs that's life the other one yeah. like the day after with the day after tomorrow and um uh, the, the other, other Armageddon. one, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the one yeah. with uh, John uh, with uh, John Cusack, right? Was it two two twenty twelve? Yes. Or no, I th- I think mm. there was a little bit of time between those, but but definitely uh, I, one of the things is I think these films they they must because they, they have a common element they capture this zeitgeist of of the period, and I still haven't figured out what the traveler represents, um, but I'm still early in the game. So so story aside, it, it plops you down in um, the series of kind of story based missions. From what I understand, there's about twenty. And what's interesting is that there, there's both wide open spaces and tight corridors, but it never feels as if destiny is making you follow a path. Instead, there's a waypoint indicator that tells you, you know, where to go, and you're given a, a fairly liberal amount of space to, to chart your own path. Uh, what I really like is Bungie's environments. Um, <clears throat> unlike Halo, they simultaneously, they're interesting to look at. They, they seem natural and organic, but they're also really interesting to play on. Uh, so you wind across and down, you know, like gullies, and you climb up these low hills that are just tall enough to break your line of sight and make you wonder what's on the other side, uh, whether there's going to be bad guys just over the ridge there. Uh, Spoiler, and- there's bad guys. Yeah, there's always, there's always <laughs> there's no every once in a while there's not bad guys and you you think there's going to be bad there's guys. bad guys bad guys and then you crest a hill and see a sheep and you're like oh what the fuck oh, yeah. <laughs> um so so when you do encounter those sheep um the gunplay you know pretty good the weapons do capture that that, that halo feel um that that master chief Janessa Qua kind of thing um sadly I, I'm on the level I'm playing at I think it's normal. Enemy AI is, is is pretty much a step backward from the Halo series. Instead of flanking you, they com- they all they do is they completely jump out of cover. They take a few shots, go back to cover, and repeat. And, and oh, bosses boy. usually have a single weakness, and so your strategy is basically the same as the enemy's, <laughs> with just a little bit more you know exactitude. So what you do is you hit reload, dump your magazine in the boss's weak spot, go back to cover, and repeat until the health bars, your health uh, or their health bar, is depleted. Um, that, that sounds said, boring. Yeah, the, the boss fight. Maybe maybe <laughs> you're the trash mob for the boss. <laughs> Inversion. Um, so so that said, I, I'm only uh, I'm still about six hours in the game. Uh, I've noticed a few other blemishes the tech tree 
uh, progress is pretty linear. So you go up a level and then you automatically press a button to get a preset per perk, which feels really weird. Um, hopefully there's more decisions or at least a decision later uh, because now it's just, it's pretty much automatic. As far yeah, as isn't it just like they're all in a row? And yeah, they yeah. Like, and they like, sort of a circle fills up and, right. and they're like, all right, I got that circle. Yeah, and it, all uses, right, I got that it one. uses the connect uh, kind of motif to, to choose everything, which is kind of interesting. Uh, as far as communication, you have three different gestures and one is this really stupid and annoying dance which feels so out, so out of place with the rest of the game dance um, yeah is it like, like you're dancing. world of warcraft or something yeah it's, it's like one of those things uh, and you're doing some stupid dance to communicate with people and it just it looks looks dumb um but expe- dance to me <laughs> so anyway expect a review um by the time the show airs probably a few days after that i is- am enjoying it uh you know don't get me wrong but i think there's some serious inconsistencies with the game um it, it almost feels like it almost feels like different teams kind of worked on it and, and destiny just kind of got glued together so so there's it's it's a strange product it's fun but um i don't know it just, just feels well cool. they they did go through a couple of changeovers as they got close to release like they got rid of their uh audio guy mm-hmm. uh in April, and I think there was another person that they switched out, like sort of right. So that might be where some of that inconsistency well, the, comes. So out. the audio's you know fine, and the visuals are, are really amazing. Um, they mm-hmm. really integrate you know some of the uh, backdrops, and there's a lot of um, you know they'll have like static kind of backdrops, and then they have just little bits of animation. Oh, and one thing I love is like the ship design and character and costume design for science fiction. Sometimes that uh-huh. totally throws me out. It's just like, well, that just looks horribly dated, mm-hmm. um, you know, already. It, it, that's not how the future is going to look. And they really did a really interesting um, kind of motif on there. It, it's almost hard to describe, but, you know, there's almost this unifying theme that runs through the art, uh, which is I really want to cool. make a couple of comments about that because no. I, now are you yes listen to this <laughs> yes. so are you playing are you playing a male character yes okay what did you think of those hairstyles you sure i've um, been trying to drum up some okay I, I played i played twice and i i got not just a white guy but like a ghostly white guy <laughs> ghostly uh-huh. white hunter and so you're playing yourself yeah. <laughs> no i'm and so you know the the hairstyles were fine. The um, what do you call so it? here's, here's paint, what I found. The face paint was was pretty cool. No problem with that. I did choose another robot guy, and um, so here's what I found. Here's what, what I found. Do you remember what futuristic science fiction movies were like in the seventies? Do you remember like what Flash everybody's Gordon. hair looked like? Oh yeah, oh yeah, right. like Flash Gordon, like uh, yeah. Logan's the, the, run, the black hole. Black hole, like everybody had like this big hair. I mean, even game. even I mean, think Luke Skywalker, right. you know, feathered hair. Yes. like yeah, and, feathered and hair, yeah. or yeah, Han Solo. Uh, you know, Bobby Brady goes into outer space and becomes like a future space warrior. I, I found like all of the hairstyles were like these really offensive seventies things. And I finally, I embraced mm-hmm. it. When I was playing the beta, I haven't played the the, the retail product yet. I wish I were playing it, but uh, I pi- I picked like the most horrible. He-Man, page boy, like <laughs> mushroom topped thing. I Did wanted you to make like my... uh, in the Fifth Element when um, half his head Gary, was Gary, Gary Oldman. Oldman. Did you like Gary his Oldman. his style? Yeah, but 
they don't even do anything like that. I mean, I could not find a hip-looking hairstyle in the entire thing, in the beta anyway. I don't that know if they that added... That didn't bother me, Jeremy. I, I mean, I, it didn't bother me. I love me. that Finally, that's like your complaint, Jeremy. <laughs> yes. There's no I want hair hip hair hairstyles. I, I wasn't feathered hair. sure at first. I wasn't sure at first. I was like, well, maybe they're just subscribing to, like, this was the future in the 70s, and right. this is the aesthetic that we want to go for. And I'm like, that is a very bold choice, Bungie. That is really something but to pick those terrible I do hairstyles. like... You know how like uh, the future futurism of the fifties that kind of Disneyland Tomorrowland, <laughs> yeah, like I, a, yeah, I can't, uh-huh. it, how it's kind of catchy now. I do like that, and so maybe well, if people had like skinny ties and sixty suits and stuff like that, I would. Do, everybody's I would dressed in tinfoil, <laughs> or like <laughs> yeah, that that uh, lame whatever you know the yeah, jumpsuits, Towers, like the rings of, around the with, neck. Yeah, I was gonna say with like the little rings, like the Jetsons on the cuffs and the collars. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like you mentioned that uh, it was kind of a uh, maybe. Maybe I just heard this, but I, I like the designs of the armor. Like even though everything. Yeah. Here's the thing. I did. I never liked Master Chief as a character. No. Like that dude was like the most boring, nondescript BMX helmet looking. Right. Like nobody. <laughs> and then they stuck with it because when yeah. it originally came out in like 2001, they just had to tweak. They just tweaked they it enough. Doubled down on looked, it. Yeah, it still looked. <laughs> but like I think part so of that was supposed 1990s. to be that, so that you could imagine yourself as Master Chief really never, easily because you don't know what he looks like. I don't know. Like I know there were probably 12 year olds all over the country just like putting on helmets. I'm Master Chief. Uh, but I, but I will you say I do. When the, I think it was Halo Two with the cat helmet. Everyone expected a real helmet. They were so Halo Right, it was a three. tiny yeah. like bullshit helmet. <laughs> right. Neither here nor I saw a YouTube video once of a kid, like literally a kid who had made cardboard everything, and it, there was a YouTube video of him in his garage or whatever, like doing the moves for multiplayer. Like he would crouch like a multiplayer character and like aim and stuff, and he did, he did all these moves. And everything. And, so yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So maybe I mean maybe if that was the idea behind Master Chief, bravo, good good job. But but uh, I I have to agree with you that I I can't, at least I think I heard you say this. I like the design of yeah. the, even though all of the armor like it's all these pieces of like you know like but, motorcycle but helmet, nothing kind of like egg shaped face plates, right? And things like that. But somehow it usually looks really good. Yeah, like when you put it has all the sheen to it, and some of it's kind of matte. Yeah, and, and, the, and the colors work. work yeah, well the color. I mean, the colors might clash a little bit sometimes, but generally, it kind of. I mean, Borderlands didn't even really do this because when you got guns in Borderlands, I mean, you had the gun in front of you. Mm. But here, when you get the armor and when you get these pickups and you go to the the tower and get the special, yeah. you know, vanguard items and things like that, mm-hmm. they all kind of look all right together. Like yeah. you can look like a badass and you're wearing capes and stuff yeah. so there's, again again in that retro fashion like everything is kind of um and the capes the, the cape animation the physics cape physics yeah, like all the awesome. swish things so the way yeah. you dance when you're doing the worm like your cape sort of flows behind you and uh no you can't do the worm i tried but um uh, <laughs> anyway aesthetically that side of it so the page boy haircuts and have then, you seen the assassin's creed dance where the guy uh, takes it and he's like wiggling around he does like a crazy dance Oh, but that sounds awesome. Okay. So, Robert, I yes. have a more of a impact of the game question than a <laughs> style than question. Yeah. I just talk Some about news. those haircuts. Nobody's been talking about it, and I think it's a really important issue. I'm okay with it. What about the fact that I... the Destiny logo appears on the crotch of the Master Chief? What? I saw, I, I yeah, saw I someone saw that. say that the Destiny logo kind of looks like the Shocker. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going to I, I see that. a um, person with, like, two hands up. Like, his arms up. And like, like well, the, pretend, the head there. Then those two marks are pinkies. Or you know, you're staring at an oil, uh, an oil painting. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, I okay. see a boat. I see a plane. I see the president of the United States. <laughs> Sage, what was your question? My question, which is now oh, just so much gross. Um, my question was, <laughs> considering this is Bungie's new baby, um, and, and, and Jeremy, if you have an opinion on this from playing the beta, then you're welcome to jump in. Because I didn't, I didn't really get a good sense of uh, this from playing at E3 because I didn't have enough time with it. But do you feel like it's as... You know, when Halo came out, it was really, really novel. Like, everybody mm-hmm. responded really well to it, and it was something that was pretty different from most things that have been right. done, and it felt epic. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like this, like, is better than that? It's even more so that? And then as a, as a secondary question, do you think that they're going to be able to take this baby as far as they took the Halo venture? Well, for, for me personally, the, the draw of Halo, at least the original Halo, was the randomness of it. I remember mm-hmm. getting in a turret as Master Chief, and there was a banshee coming at me, and my, like you know that sound when your when your health is about to expire, that that rapid mm-hmm. beep, it, you know, yep. it was coming at me, and I just you know threw everything at the banshee, and then it started exploding, and I had to jump out of the way, and you know the turret blew up, and it was like one of these random uh, events that didn't feel scripted, and right. uh, so far I haven't seen that, it, and that to me was the reason why. I really enjoyed the original Halo, and I mm-hmm. haven't seen that kind of random element in this. Mm-hmm. So um, it feels more scripted, you think? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's it's open, but it just feels like, oh, here's some guy, I shoot the guys. Uh, a, a couple times I was playing in one level, I would shoot some guys that you know that, that appeared, and then I'd go and you know find an online person, kind of you know help him out, and then I'd go back to that same spot, and guys respawn there, and that mm-hmm. felt really. Uh, really kind of fake to me. It doesn't seem as fluid, you might say. The gameplay doesn't Uh, seem as fluid as Halo. Yeah, I I guess not. Uh, Just, uh, you know, Halo just felt so open-ended and so random. Like, almost anything could happen. Like, you'd have... You know, these little moments and, you you know, you'd sit there with your buddies long before, you know, there was game capture. And you'd say, oh, my God, did you see that? And people would tell stories about these amazing, right. you know, kind of come from behind elements in both multiplayer and the, in the story. And, right. and I don't think you're going to hear about that with Destiny. And, uh, and that, that's fine because most games may not, you know, probably don't have that. But that is what made Halo special. So yeah, it does like you can play like the it's... same save point fifty times over and yeah. have fifty and different. It always be yeah. different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like it's as much of a of a no pun intended game changer as Halo was when it first no, came no, out. No, it, it's really a, a safe product, and I don't mean that in, in a bad way. It feels a lot like Borderlands, and you know, I really enjoyed Borderlands too. Um, and I think if people, you know, enjoyed that and like a little bit of an online community, uh, with that, then they'll, they'll like it. But I don't think it's a, it's a must, it's the must play game and and game of the year that a lot of people were expecting because I I remember it was with you and we were looking at that wall and everybody named it as their game of the year. And we walked away and we said, "Mm, it was good, but I don't see that. And I kind of looked inside, what am I missing? Right. And, uh, you know, we just played, you know, kind of PvP, and it felt solid, but nothing really, you know, nothing exceptional. Yeah, I think that... It was almost like an amalgam of different, you know, uh, different shooters, um, you know, kind of a greatest hits, you know, way of looking at things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a It felt to me like a little bit of Shadowrun. Do you guys remember that, Shadowrun? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that, that game was. I have like about a dozen copies of that that (laughs) are completely useless. Can, Can you, yeah, you can't play that anymore? The server's off? Right. I guess not. Right. I, I just remember you'd have that healing tree, 
Oh, that that thing was wonderful. Whoever whoever was the uh, medic that would cast that healing tree, <laughs> he would. So, I would add that person to my friends list, no matter what. <laughs> so you don't think that? So do you think that this game will be as big a success, like longevity wise, as Halo was, where you have all these renditions and next well, sequels? And I, I think you know, Activision they they look long term, and so who knows what Destiny Two? God, they're they're really going to call it Destiny Two? I don't know. More Destiny. Um, <laughs> A bigger destiny. Yeah, in the long term, like, maybe focus they're, more they're on... working out the kinks. Mm-hmm. You think they're going to focus more on like gradual updates as opposed to direct sequels? I would like, yeah, I'd love to see that. But again, you're not paying for a subscription, so I'm not sure how much time and money they're going to put into that. You know, well, it's, like, it's usually when you when you have a subscription MMO model, they want to keep you know the community active because they want their ten, fifteen dollars per month there so yeah. i i don't think that there's too much of a incentive for them to to keep it after the holiday season mm-hmm. uh well so a few things just if yes. i can add some comments here uh no so to, to begin with uh <laughs> yes here i go here i go get ready um <laughs> i don't know if you're aware of this but bungie already has stated that they have a 10-year plan for this game right, right. So I, I had heard they that, are yeah. For yes, this game or said. for the franchise? For the uh, franchise. I, I'm pretty sure the franchise. I guess it remains to be seen. I mean, they, they could be doing a lot of things with it. But that but that's the point. So so two things. Number yeah. one, you mentioned Borderlands. I think that's a great... I mean, I think it's fashionable now to say, no, it's not like Borderlands, or no, it's not like an MMO, when yes, it really is like Borderlands, and yes, they kind of want it to play right. like an MMO, even though it's not the same scale as an MMO. But uh, to, to your point about... Um, Borderlands, you know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a safe product because the only other th- thing out there like Borderlands is Borderlands, and I feel like right. having Borderlands, you know, Halo Borderlands is it has a certain attraction to it. Okay. You know, I mean, you may you may not have the. I mean, the thing about having these these fun random chances in in Halo is that you know you might be going down a particular pathway and they've got these things set up and they have their little physics and this isn't really set up that same way so you're not going to have the same kinds of encounters in an open space i mean when when you're talking about the structure of destiny you've got two things you've either got open sort of Mm -hmm. um open world things with little mission points that you can do or you have uh what do they call them strikes yeah Yeah, the the, the little fire team yeah fire team events where you are going through uh you know this is a tunnel and you're going to go through and there's a giant boss there um, and so it's kind of one of those two things, and so I don't think it's, it's really, like you said, it's going to lend itself toward that, but I don't know that that's necessarily a problem either, because when you're in those open areas, other cool things can happen. Other players are out there kind of weaving in and out of your gameplay. You might, right. you know, and something cool going on, or you might help them take down a, you know, a crew of, of Fallen or... or you know. I, I, I have, and I haven't unlocked, I think you have to hit level 20 to unlock uh, the ability to go on raids and things like that. And, and I, you know, I've helped people before, and I've done that in other games, but there wasn't a sense of, um, yeah, of, of community. Um, and you may or may not. Well, uh, personally, I found that this was a lot more fun with people that you know. That was okay. my take on it. Okay. Um, and I and, think that that's one of the areas that they might struggle in because they're not the first. I mean, I know that a big thing for them is they wanted to take a console shooter and make it more of a community feeling game, right. and I feel like a lot of games that have tried to do that it just doesn't quite work and usually because i mean what bungie is going for them is that everyone's like bungie they did halo oh my god because usually what happens is not enough people are playing the game and so you don't get that huge community feeling that they're looking for but i don't know if they'll be successful that because no one's been able to pull it off yet really you know one thing in their credit uh, a lot of games 
you know, opening week uh, right after launch is especially for online required games. If they just took a dump online, you couldn't play them. And you know, I was playing this two days after launch, and it was fluid and uh, yeah. no zero problems at all. And so I've heard it's been no Diablo three gamer rage. Yeah. And so yeah, to, nope. to Bungie's credit, um, you know, you can't even really tell you're playing online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and besides so some the of the uh, crazy this. names that you'll see, is that this is <laughs> all online. It's all Thank you for, for pulling me out of danger. People still name themselves shit like that. That's <laughs> yes, ridiculous. Yes. Or like your mom took a dump kind of names. Yeah. So I will be interested to see over the course of time what types of things, not even just add-on content, like, hey, there's a new pack, but what kinds of things might they be able to change server-side or in title mm-hmm. updates or things like that that might improve things like AI or yeah. what have you. I, I, I mean, I am not convinced that the product that we have right now is going to be the same product that we have have a year from now. Uh, are people still going to be playing it in a year? I don't know. That really depends. I mean, people are still playing Call of Duty whatever. Uh, so it, it's possible, and if it's fun enough... you know, Not really make, playing Titanfall but, anymore. With good hooks. Yeah, I, I played it a couple times this, this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you seen it? <laughs> I haven't. What yeah. is that? <laughs> Actually, Titanfall is going to come up in, in my uh, when I start talking about some things a little bit later. But, uh, so you I, have seen Titanfall. Weirdly, weirdly, uh, Titanfall and Destiny kind of did this weird crisscross of hype for me. So uh, mm-hmm. they made me jump, jump. No, mm-hmm. I'm not just kidding. But um, the, uh-huh. at the closer, you crisscross will make you jump. Oh, gotcha. I, I gotcha. I was with you yes. on that. Moment. All right. Thank you, Sage, for being the one. Um, <laughs> I had the Sega CD game. <laughs> um, so, Marky Mark, make your video. I couldn't, I couldn't pull off the reference. Uh, but anyway, as we got CNC closer Music to Titanfall, yes. I kind of got less interested in Titanfall. But as we got closer to Destiny, I kind of got more interested in Destiny. Um, how long it lasts, I think, is going to be a, another question. But I feel like... A, Bungie, B, Activision, I think we're probably going to see some dedication to, to that. I mean, that game and probably that franchise over time. <laughs> I like but, the way you call it dedication. Uh, well, I think they've... Uh, <laughs> Instead uh, of call, the money grab. Call it investment, then. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, because this is... Keep milking. You mentioned, you mentioned earlier half a billion dollars of of expense to, to mm-hmm. make it, right? Mm-hmm. right? Half a billion dollars of revenue on the first, four, what did they say, 24, 48 hours? I mean, they really? sold, it's okay. now the fastest selling IP, I guess, of all time now. Destiny. Well, and, oh. and that's one of those things that, you know, Bungie has an, and Activision have going for them is they are able to, um, they have a good precedent for their games. And so I think that that helps them build hype. And, and Jeremy, I agree with you. I think that they handled the hype just right. Like Titanfall amped itself up so much so fast that I could not have possibly lived up to the hype when it came out. Right. And Destiny like was this slowly building like, oh, oh it's going to be cool. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's going to be cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was already sick of Titanfall by the time. And, and I think it even came out, right? right? You know, and the other thing is that people were kind of like um, you know, oh, the alpha is just a demo. Oh, the beta is just a demo. You know what? I think that probably really worked well for them, giving yep. people that mm-hmm. I mean that they obviously they knew what they were doing, and it was a demo. I mean, it was an alpha beta test, and it was a demo for people to try it out. And I think yeah. it probably went really well for them. Yep. Yeah, it left a lot of people wanting more. Yep. And that's that's extremely important with demos. I mean, you you have to be wanting more by the time you're finished. Otherwise, it, it there's no real point in having the demo to begin with. Right. 
Right. Well, and so, another strength they have going for them is if they can really have good loot. I mean, since it's a community-based mm-hmm. game, like if if the loot that you get to customize yourself with and to, you know, go on missions and meet up with people and trade loot and everything like that, if they can make that really um compelling like, oh man, I really want that gun. I think that'll right. do a lot for them like too. The hooks. Because there, right. there comes a point when you're playing Borderlands, and there came a point for me playing Destiny 2 where the, the hook comes and you get the hook. Right. Like, right. oh my god, okay, I get it, oh my god. I want, I want that, I must, I must have that. You know, the only thing that kind that of bugs EDF me a little hook. bit, and, and I, I think they still do this, but uh, Robert, when, they, when, you, when you go to, you find a chest, don't they call it, like, loot? Don't they actually call it loot? <laughs> yeah, I believe so, I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> like you're saying with the dancing, like, it kind of, but, like, don't call it loot. Just, you know. <laughs> now, now you bring well, that up. That I yeah. could actually get behind, though, because, that, I mean, if you're used to playing those kind of, ga- like, Diablo kind of games where right. you're like, oh, the That's loot. That's spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you might as well embrace it. I mean, if it's a, if it's right. a loot poor game, you might as well call it loot, I guess. But Excuse still, me, I was my... kind of like, yeah, loot. All right, so Thanks the other uh, game that I want to talk about, I put some time into Ruiners, um, which is mm. a little title from a uh, two-man team uh, with one of the best the best monikers in the business. Let's get Kraken Games. K-R-A-K-E. Now, one of my favorite third-party Wii titles. I don't think a lot of people played it. I totally love it. Geometry Wars Galaxies. Fucking uh, yes. Yeah, that took the kind of vector graphic shooting, and, and what it did was offer these endless variations of different stage shapes, different enemies and weapons. So on the on the surface, Runers uh, really reminds me of that title. Uh, sure, you, you are not a spaceship shooting at uh, antagonistic polygons. You, you, you pick a character from, there's probably about 20 different classes, and then you choose from one of 20 uh, different traits. And once, once you do that, you, you are or, um, you go into a randomly generated dungeon, and it, but it does channel kind of the chaos of the title. So there's swarms of enemies that follow different kind of attack patterns. Some charge you, others back away. There, there's ones that you know spawn enemies, uh, so they will try to elude you. Others kind of hang hang back and take pot shots at you. And so you're when you're in this room with with the crowds of different foes that are acting, um, you know, kind of different ways. I, I think the fun kind of ensues. Now the other element besides the context, which uh, which uh, separates Runers from Geometry Wars, is the crafting. Uh, enemies dropped ruins, hence the name, uh, which you can combine into they say hundreds of different uh, combinations. So in the first game, I was the skeleton who who tossed out lightning with the left mouse button, and then cra- um, and then crafted a spell which dropped uh, like mountains of rocks on enemies. Uh, there's the occasional puzzle element where you play Simon with the different glowing orbs uh, in different rooms. So you know a little variation there. Uh, the graphics are not much to look at if you guys ever played a. Um, game, which I, I really enjoyed, called Defender's Quest Valley of the Forgotten, uh, available on Steam. Kind of uses the same sprites, uh, very much uh, similar to that. And the game absolutely begs for controller support. Trying to play a twin-stick shooter with uh, WASD and mouse just isn't working for Uh-oh. me. Yeah, but if Let's Get Kraken, if they can you know, live up to their name, I would uh, definitely recommend a purchase of that. So a, a lot of fun, smaller um, indie title, but uh, you know, showing a lot of promise there. Did you ever Let's play... get cracking on controller support. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I was alluding to. So that's Did Ruiners. you ever play Blastworks on the Wii, the side-scrolling shooter? Yes, where, yes, where you can you... build your own ship. Yeah, yes. so I was wondering if that's kind of the idea, where as, as you shoot parts off of dudes, you, you know, you pick them up. Well, that one was kind of a side-scrolling shmup, and this one is, you know, kind of overhead, but, but I guess vaguely... 
you know, mm-hmm. in concept, it, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, the one thing about that one was you could, whatever the weapon was, you can just add this. And you had this big, right. ugly, like, hulking ship that was yes. like a Katamari of junk. But, it, awesome. but it, it, the uglier it looked, the more powerful it was. Right. Um, but this one is, you know, it, it's a little bit more, I guess, concise. And um, so you're not, you know, some big monster with ten arms and stuff like that. You just have the... Um, two you know two mouse buttons and then the one or two keys there uh so you're not this big monstrosity but i kind of would like to see that that would be kind of cool as well yeah mm. did i mention the the rooms are randomly generated too you did not. Oh, that's, that's cool. good kind of ro- roguish yeah uh, a little nice. bit there so rogue light that's ruiners nice yeah didn't ruin my day uh, uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay sage what have you been playing um i played a lot of in Indie games over the summer, but what I really want to talk about, um, I got a new thing and an old thing. Uh, I played Transistor, which is the new game out by Supergiant. I haven't played that. Tell me more. I love this game. Um, there's not a lot of games that I come on here and I say that about, actually, but I really, really liked this game. Um, like Bastion, it starts out in a way that really develops this this ambiance and this mood. The kid um, woke up. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, well, right. I love I love the voice work on, on all their games. All right. But, um, but this one's different, and it's kind of interesting because instead of having the the narrator who's sort of humorously breaking the fourth wall as he's as he's talking to you um outside earshot sort of of the kid you have a narrator who is someone that you're you as the protagonist you know this person and they're important to you but it's not revealed right away who they are or why so instead of the narrator sort of conspiring with you anti fourth wall this is more you you're actually separated by that fourth wall watching what's going on um so it was a subtle shift in narration style for them but it's just as successful and i like that they did it because it kept things interesting yeah they seem like a very smart developer i think so too and i think that might be why they're not you know they don't madly release things you know one after the in fact bastion came out when that was like 2011 i think right yeah two three years ago yeah so they waited a good three years to come out with this next one. So anyway, um, you you start as this character. You start in a setting that it's very cyberpunk, Sin City-esque. So you've got that like comic feel to it, but very cyberpunky feeling. Um, you don't you don't know anything as the player, and so you figure out what has happened to you and what is happening to the city as you go along. That part is similar to Bastion. Um, you, it's a turn-based, uh, game, so you can do both real-time combat and you can do frozen planning kind of combat where, you know, it's paused and you sort of, uh, strategically, tactically, um, plan out your moves. Uh, a little bit, a little bit like turn-based RPG, um, except you don't get that like some Japanese games do where you actually get the view of what the, you get a sense of what the enemy is going to do. You don't really get that in this, um... So you can either run around using certain powers or you can use this turn-based thing. If you use the turn-based thing, you have to wait for it to recharge before you can do anything real-time. Um, I mean, you can run around real-time and, and sort of take cover, but you can't uh, use any of those powers. There's a couple like little defensive, offensive moves you can use, but nothing big. Um, I don't want to talk too much about the fighting because it's pretty simple. Um, but, but the strategy about it is really good. So it really gives you a sense of, um, being able to, to plan out these strategic moves and that that makes a big difference to the game. So sometimes when you 
have those strategy-based games, you kind of get the feeling that you would have, you know, won the battle no matter how you planned it. But this way, this game has it where it really feels like you need to, you need to really look at how you're planning because it's very possible that you'll lose if you don't sort of a t- approach a, a bad guy just the right way. I, I heard um, if you take too long on each level, things get progressively harder. It's oh, so it's not. I mean, I could see why someone would say that. It's not that it gets harder, like the bad guys get harder, but when you, um, so you're fighting these like cyber sort of unnamed things and you don't really know what they are until you sort of get more into it and then you find out they're called the process and they are akin to some kind of computer program that's sort of taking over. Every time you kill a thing they turn into like little mini versions of these processes and if you don't collect them then they will sort of respawn into the bad guy that they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way it, it's not that if you take too long, you're sort of, you, it's going to get harder. It's that if you don't go collect all those things, then the, you're just going to have to keep fighting and keep fighting and keep mm-hmm. fighting. Okay. Um, which I mean, could be a strategy if you wanted the experience from it. So you get increased, you know, every fight you have, you get more experience depending on how, how you killed people, what you did. They drop, um, it's all, it's all computer based and cyberpunk based. So you, they drop, um, what are they called? Uh, functions which are your upgradable, like, tree-upgradable things. So instead of called, being called skills, they're called functions. Um, and the function system works really well. Like I'm upgrading. for Jeremy to sing Conjunction Junction. What's your <laughs> function? What's your function? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that didn't come in, Jeremy. Yeah. I would have waited for that, He's too. Slipping. I'm trying He's to be respectful. Get, no, no, listen. I'm I appreciate that. I'm saving, I'm saving it up. To- Just... You get ready. Oh, very nice. Whoa. We've got ring rust. <laughs> okay. I mean, we've we've been we've huh? been out of practice for Gross. like six months. That I mean, sounds we, like we, a disease. <laughs> no ring rust. It's like a, it's a pro wrestling term for when you haven't been in the ring for for you know quite oh, some time. Oh, oh, now I understand. <laughs> wow. Okay. You know anyway. you you miss moves because you you you're, uh, you're rusty. Of, you're I got of, it. Yeah. Out of shape. I got it. Um. Anyway, also you have so, oxidation on your aims. Ew. <laughs> um, gonna skip past that. So using using <laughs> the functions and skills that you get is actually really interesting. The dynamic they've done is that you've got active slots, you've got passive slots, and you've got like secondary support kind of slots <laughs> for a lot of slots. <laughs> So gross for um, for everything that you're doing. So you can take any function you get. Um, you have like a certain amount of RAM that you can use, which you can increase as you play. RAM Don't it's slots. like a computer thing, like a computer thing, not like a sexy thing. Jesus, and. <laughs> You can use certain functions as modifiers, right? So if I've got like function A, B, C, right? I can use B as a modifier on A or I can use B as a primary skill. And depending on how you're using it, they all do slightly different things. The other really cool thing is that depending on which of the three areas you put it in, either primary or modifying or passive, (laughs) depending on which of the three areas you put it in, um, (laughs) Robert... (laughs) You guys are awful. I don't do this to you. When well, you, you, you said it again. <laughs> Listeners, I hope that you forgive the fact that we have a mostly Which of the three disgusting all-male podcast. Um, <laughs> so depending on – there's no way I could say it because if I say depending on which slot you use it in, you guys will laugh at that. If I say where you put <laughs> it in, then you guys will laugh at that. Okay. Of the three ways in which you can employ your functions – Depending on which way you employ it, 
uh, you get different aspects of the story. So when you defeat certain people, they will drop a function, or if you find dead bodies, they will have a function on them that is related to who they were when they were alive. And you when you use... Dead bodies, you don't put it in dead bodies. It's a mistake, uh, and it's gross. Whoa. It's unclean. <laughs> so, moving away from the sexy talk. So, um, you ring rust. Uh, <laughs> it's like impossible with you guys. I tried. I tried so hard. Depending on how you employ them, you get a different um, part of the story of who that person was. And through these parts of the stories of who different um, NPC characters were, you get more and more of the story of sort of what's going on with the city and why this faction that you're fighting against and running from did what they did. I've heard some people complain that they did not get a good enough sense of what was going on and the story was too ambiguous, but I think that that just means they weren't playing it right. Because if you are actually playing with all the skills and putting them in different usable areas you're getting a really comprehensive idea of of the plot and what happened and what's going on so if you feel like if you play this game which you should and you feel like you're not getting enough of the story you should play around with switching up your skills which i think is really smart on their part because it gives you a secondary motivation to really experiment with all these different skill sets and trees that you can really tap into um so that i thought was really successful uh, the the dynamic of your skill set builds along with the dynamic of this interchange between the main character and the effective narrator character. So the whole game is building on itself, both in a plot way and in a gameplay way as you're as you're going along. Uh, it's not the longest game ever. I think I beat it in eight or nine hours, maybe. Um, but there's a lot of cool other things you can look at in the city, and the guy who's talking to her while she's doing this responds. So if you go look at a poster, he'll say to her, yeah, it's really sad that, you know, that used to be this way, but come on, we gotta hurry, and if you stay there, he'll respond that way. He'll say, no, really, we have to get out of here. Um, so it's still very interactive narration that way, which, again, I think that they're just really good at. Um, I don't want to get too much into the plot because I don't want to spoil anything. I mean, stuff that you would know from looking at trailers is that you have this sword. The sword is talking to you. It's your weapon. It's um, what you're using to collect all these powers and fight the process and get through the city. It has a tragically happy, sad ending. Um, it I, it moved me. Like, I there's a few... It, the feels, man. There's a few games I get a little teary over, and maybe it was just because I was playing this one super late at night, so I don't know if that made me more susceptible, but I, I got a little teary at the end of it. It was just so... Because you were with this person the whole time, and it, it was just very moving. I'm not going to give it away. Um, this game is definitely worth playing. It is a lot of fun. The strategy components are really well done. Uh, uh, the action role-playing part of it is really good, and the plot line is great, although I'm really not surprised because... After having played Bastion, I mean, I couldn't wait for whatever they were going to come out with next. And so I think they really, you know, continued to improve upon their strengths with this game. Um, what systems is it on? Is it just PC or? Uh, I think it's on the PS4. Uh, it is on PC. I think, yeah, it's got to be on PS4 because actually I remember seeing it at the, um, at the press conference two years ago. I think it's on everything. Is it on everything? Uh, I think it's on pretty much everything. Except Wii. Sorry, Wii. No, Wii. No, is it on, is it on Wii U? Maybe. No. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you answered your own question. Um, you know, I don't think it's on an Xbox console. I, I think it's just PlayStation 4 and, and uh, PC. I'm pretty sure. In fact, I have just looked it up, and yes, it is only on PS4 and PC. <laughs> yeah. When did so it come that- out for PS4? 
Um, I think it released on both for both uh, in May. Okay. I, I know it released on the PC in May, and I didn't hear anything about a different release date. So. Okay. Awesome. Um, any? I can't think if I missed anything. You guys distracted me with all the sexy talk. Do you guys have any questions about it? <laughs> Not enough innuendo. <laughs> Too much innuendo. Um, oh, you know, it's worth noting the music is done by um, the the female voice is the girl from Bastion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her name? Ashley Lynn Barrett, I think. The one who and, did the um, songs. She yeah, and she yeah. so she did five of the songs in this oh. soundtrack, and it released. I think it sold like forty eight thousand copies within the first ten days of its release. Like it was oh. one of those soundtracks that people just went insane over. Oh. Um, because it's that kind of like electronic, sort of rocky, sort of electro music. It's great music. It's really moving. Part of the whole plot thing is that she has lost her voice, but she was this really compelling singer in the city. So that's another part of the dynamic of you're running around and you have no voice, which is why the sword does all this talking for you. Um, but the music was great. That part sort of reminded me of Cognition, where their female vocalist did the song for their for their soundtracks mm-hmm. um i like when games do that i think that it's it, yeah. it gets you more into the game than music that's sort of disconnected from what's going on mm-hmm. um so yeah so it's great you should get it um it's very moving and it's good gameplay the other game i want to talk about is frozen synapse um it's an older game but it's recently come out i think recently not super recently but this year it came out on like android and ios so now you can play it on computer and tablet and all that it, it is also forthcoming on the vita, vita and, yeah. right? and ps4 maybe just the vita Definitely uh, vita. Yeah. yeah vita i don't know if it's coming for ps4 um, so yeah, so this um, is also a very good game. I'm, I'm still distracted by all the you guys with your innuendos. Uh, so hot. Did we get you all hot and bothered? I am hot because my house is hot, but not because you guys bother me. You do bother me, but not that way. Uh, no, so I'm just you're hot and bothered. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> so the so the internet so high the five, the- Jeremy. Shut up. So the theme for me this week is cyberpunk stuff. This is another cyberpunk kind of game. It's sort of set in a... Actually, similarly also to Transistor, you've sort of got a dystopian future kind of set for it. Um, Also, equally, the music is great. It's done by one of the the guys... I think his name is Paul something. He's one of the co-owners of Mode 7, which is the company who put this game out, and he did all the electronica music for it. The music is really cool. It sort of reminds me a little bit of um, Perfect Dark, that sort of like UK electronica sound. Uh, His name is Um, Paul Taylor. Is it Paul Taylor? Okay. Paul Taylor, also known as Nervous Test Pilot. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Which is a weird name. But anyway, so he composed all the music. It's really good music. I only say that because I think bad music totally takes you out of a game. So I think it's really key to have good music in the game. Uh, It's it's tactical combat. Um, It's a top-down game. It's turn-based where it's it's turn-based but it's simultaneous turn-based so when you're playing multiplayer it's one-on-one and you can't see each other's moves but you're sort of planning out where all your little men are going to go and where they're going to aim and where they're going to fire and um and then you both once you've both committed to your turn it shows you the outcome of both your moves it's really really fun and it's really kind of tough like to be any good at it you have to get good at predicting what other people are going to do with their men and the ai and the human players really play pretty differently so you can play a lot of like single player storyline missions um i think that 
there's I think there's like a shit ton of single player missions. I think there's I want to say fifty, but maybe it's not that many. Um, but but you have there's a lot of single player missions, and the AI does not play like people play. I mean, it's close, but it's pretty different. So when you start playing multiplayer, you really have to get in the groove of how people are going to maneuver their little dudes. Um, and I like how specific it is. So you tell people you have a certain amount of time for your turn, and you can you know like any other kind of strategy game you determine how far your guys are going to move and what they're going to do. You have different shooter types. You have machine gun types and rocket types and different uh, ammo kinds. And you have to tell them where to aim, where to look, where to walk. So, like, you can tell your guy to strafe past a window and look through the window, and he will walk slower, which means you don't have as much time to get him, you know, maybe across to another room that you wanted him to get to. But he'll have the advantage of being able to look into the room. And anyone who's in line of sight during your turn, you can tell your guy to either automatically shoot at them or ignore or enemies if you want them not to see you or so the specificity of your strategy is really is really on like the fact that you can have control over that many aspects of your men makes it feel a lot more engaging and makes it feel a lot more like an accomplishment when you manage to really like get your combat guys into the position they need to be in to, to win and not get shot. And when they get shot, it's great because blood goes everywhere. So you really actually feel bad about the fact that your guys are dead and blown up and everything. Which is good, because then you care about these little nothing pixelated dudes. Um, they have different modes. They have a light mode and a dark mode where you can see where your enemies are at the end of a turn. Or a, or a dark mode where, unless they're in line of sight, you don't know where they are. You just know where they were last. Uh, which I kind of like, because that sort of adds to the strategy element. You have to be able to anticipate even more so where these guys are going to end up and where they're going to end up shooting. Um, I am not great at it yet, but it's compelling enough that it's one of those games I really want to try to get better at because it's it's really challenging trying to anticipate and figure out where people are going to be and how they're going to kill you. I have never actually played Frozen Synapse, but I, I've I've heard that people who like it just love it to death. Like they are get really into it, and, and uh, you know the funny thing about the Vita for me, a lot of people criticize the Vita for being like, oh, it's where indie games go and. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> but die. honestly, he, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't going to say to die, but uh, <laughs> you just said FYI, the Vita apparently, Vita apparently sold like 6K, 6,000 units uh, in the last uh, sales period. So oh, RIP right. Vita. But what I was going to say is that there are a lot of indie games that come out on PC, and I tend not to get around to them until they come to Vita. So right. I'm uh, looking forward to playing I, it on my Vita. <laughs> you know, this is this is one of those ones where I, you, I, you do have to put a little bit of commitment into getting into it. Whereas like Transition pulls you in immediately because of the mystery and the deep voice and the you know all of those things um this game you have to you, i could see someone playing it and being like what this is kind of hard and different fuck this i don't want to play this but i think if you put in like a good you know hour of just really getting familiar with how your men move and how you can specifically direct them to do things it it, it becomes very addicting very quickly kind of like faster than light you get into faster than light and you're like oh this is kind of cool what and then you get really fucking addicted to it and you're like oh my god i must beat this game it's kind of like that feeling I think I've said it before, but I'm really glad that Faster Than Light has not come out on Android or Vita. Because you would lose would all of your time. <laughs> I think you should play it, Jeremy. It's a really good game. No, it, oh, Frozen Synapse. Yes, I will. I do plan on the, the uh, what do they call no, it? No, also Faster Than Light. <laughs> yeah, Faster Than Light too, both of them, yeah. 
Yep. Um, yeah, so, oh, and the other thing is the multiplayer games have a couple different modes. It's not just one-on-one, so you have, like, some hostage protection escort missions. You have some area protection, you know, King of the Hill kind of things, um, some deathmatch kind of things. So it's it's got a nice range to, to keep people engaged. So if you master one area, it's not like you're done. Like, there's other game types that are worth looking into also. So that's Frozen Synapse. Check it out. It's pretty good. It's pretty cheap, I think. I don't remember how much it is on Steam, but I don't think it was very much. Nice. Yep. So, Jeremy. Yes, Sage. I'm going to insert all kinds of innuendos into your dialogue, but uh, in, what what have you been playing? Get ready, because I'm going to stuff you full of innuendos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did you... Does so, your wife ever listen to our podcast? Never. never. It's probably uh, the best. Not even one. Yeah, she, she barely stands to We are unloved. Me. So uh, I'm going to do something really ill-advised here. This is a terrible idea. Listeners, I want you to pay very close attention because we've been playing a lot of games over the past few months, and I just cannot abide letting them all slip by quietly into the night without a mention. I'm going to do some real quick hits, just very, very quick hits on about six games uh and so basically what i should have done real quick ones and if you want to hear more about them listener lean in real close if you want to hear more about these games listener post in the comments on tech-gaming.com let us know that you want to hear more about these because i'm sure we can talk about them so uh in no particular order uh, i want to draw attention to gravity crash ultra that i wrote yeah. my first written hmm. review in probably 10 years on the Yay. internet uh, what you was your last it. review jeremy uh for god my last one you know what I, I can tell you some of the things that i had reviewed blinks in... the time sweeper no, uh, Mario <laughs> DDR Mario Mix uh, was something that I had Whoa, reviewed. Whoa, really? Yeah, I gave that a great review, too. Uh, I don't even think the site I wrote for is even around anymore. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You might be able to find it out there. But uh, I was actually, and I'll give you a hint, it was actually a suite of three different sites. Uh, I was the editor of one of them and a uh, an associate editor on the others. So uh, you, you may, you'll never find it. But uh, first review in a long time, you can find it on the <laughs> internet website. That's your challenge, listeners. See if find you can find it. You know what? I'm not embarrassed about it. I just didn't want, really want to take the time to get into it. If you can find it, let me know. Post it in the comments. But uh, you can find my written review for Gravity Crash Ultra on the internet website, tech-gaming.com. Uh, quick hit, it is better than the PS3 version. Yeah. Looks better. Sounds better. Uh, it is actually Plays tolerable. Tolerable. I, I, I Yes, I could not get Ringing it. You know, even just like the firing speed, like you can. So it's a it's a uh, it's a twin stick shooter, uh, side scrolling shooter, very neon looking, uh, you know, sort of vector looking kind of thing. And basically, you just collect gems or do different uh, kinds of uh, objectives and get to the end. It's time based, score based, uh, leaderboards kind of thing. See if you can get through all of the planets and galaxies uh, to the end. Uh, usually, I die before I get there, and I cannot bear to uh, reset my score upon death. So I always post my score on about the fifth world and uh, I've actually never gotten past it but uh, it is it is a lot of fun like I said check out the full review on tech-gaming.com that's Gravity Crash Ultra by Just Add Water uh, since it came up I'm just going to briefly mention Borderlands 2 on the Vita uh, Vita version came out a couple months ago three actually several months ago uh, works pretty well on the Vita it sort of has that, that portable version Yes. I've heard, yes. I've, heard, no, I've heard differently. So the very next words out of my mouth. It has that portable version jank that you sometimes see from, <laughs> yeah. for example, like uh, the Assassin's Creed games. There was an Assassin's Creed PSP game, and you could kind of tell like it was the PSP version of Assassin's Creed. Uh, and same thing with the Vita version. The, the uh, Assassin's Creed Liberation, you can kind of tell it was on the Vita, not on the console. But 
Um, sacrifices and polygons doesn't look awesome, but it's essentially the same experience. Uh, touch controls on the Vita work pretty well for uh, melee, grenades, back touch, uh, running. Uh, it still has the great jokes, uh, you know, the actual experience, the loot, all of that is the same. If you liked Borderlands 2 and you're, you're you know, done with the console version, which I pretty much am, it does have cross-save for your characters. Uh, it doesn't have cross-play, so you can't play online with uh, uh, PS3 players, but if you are still somehow, and people are out there, I'm sure, playing Borderlands 2 on the PS3, but you can cross-save your characters, so you can upload and download and uh, carry on your progress seamlessly in case you do plan on playing Borderlands 2 again on console. Uh, it does have two-player online. Haven't tried it. Nobody bought this, so there's no chance you'll ever really play with anybody. Although it, you can do it on an open network, uh, so if someone happens to be playing at the same time as you, you theoretically can get some, uh, some co-op in. But uh, the uh, version that you get with with the Vita, if you happen to buy the Borderlands 2 bundle, it comes with all the DLC. I've been playing the Mechromancer. I've been playing classes that I didn't ever get to play in the console version. So I've been having a lot of fun with that, using new abilities and uh, fun stuff. Uh, the other thing that's weird about it, do you guys, are you guys familiar with the Golden Keys thing that Gearbox is doing with Borderlands? Uh, I thought I was totally out of the Golden Keys game, not interested anymore, too much of a hassle to boot up my PS3, load the game, go into the special menu, enter the keys. Now that it's on my Vita, I'm kind of back in for Golden Keys. So when the Borderlands <laughs> Twitter account posts, like, here's some Golden Keys, I'm like, shit, I'm getting some Golden Keys. So I will boot up my Vita, <laughs> load the game, and I'm portable, so I can just do it anytime. So I've been getting Golden Keys and, of course, not redeeming a single one of them. So uh, eventually, one day, <laughs> when I'm on my deathbed, I'll be like, bring me my Vita. Please. Hit, hit haircuts and, and golden keys. That's what's important yeah, to Jeremy. I'll, exactly. See, I focus on the important stuff. So Borderlands 2 on the Vita, that's my second quick hit. Uh, pretty good if you're into that. Like I said, personally, if, if you're the kind of person who can sort of overlook the portable version jank. I mean, even 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 the frame rate, it's a little bit framey, a little bit techy, but, you know, it's 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 decent uh, is, is my is my ruling on that. So if you're into Borderlands <laughs> 2... Uh, yes, that's like a five gigabyte game. So I don't know if uh, if we were still doing the show back when I did this, but uh, I got I imported a sixty four gigabyte Vita card. Me for, too. Me uh, too. For my Vita, and you know what? No regrets, motherfuckers. It is awesome. <laughs> did you see In my fact, tweet? No, recently. Tell me. I, I put uh, I have uh, one screen that I tweeted nothing but lollies. Oh, no, <laughs> awesome. I do remember so the, that. So, quick little side note about about storage capacity. Now that I've done that, I, I have definitely started managing my games. I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I've definitely started managing my games based on storage now. So, my PS3 is full. I'm sure my PS4 is getting full. I choose what I'm going to play based on. Oh God, what can I delete next? So, uh, my Vita, though, what I've done <laughs> I is I've taken. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty much in full-on storage management mode. But my 64 gigabyte card is my Forever Games uh, card. So that's where your stuff like your Gravity Crash, uh, your which is pretty uh, small. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of these are like games that you can just pick up and play anytime. Luminous, I keep that on my Forever yeah. card. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's the kind of thing where I can just sort of accumulate stuff that I may want to play at any given time. You might remember Gunhouse, the game that uh, you know I yeah PS Mobile figured it out by yeah. yeah PS Mobile games. I've got all kinds of PS Mobile games. So that goes on my 64 gigabyte card. My 32 gigabyte card, which you used to be adequate, but now is uh, sad and uh, and uh, flaccid. Uh, now that is my card for uh, that is my card for the games that have an actual ending. So if I yeah, so that's where like Disgaea goes, where I'll never play Disgaea. Oh, Jeremy. Uh -oh. No, but I'm saying it's not like a ghetto or anything. It's just if I'm if I need it's just flaccid. Yes, it's your your flaccid card is where Disgaea. You're doing it wrong. Exactly. Yeah, that's you are. exactly right. But anyway, that's so that's, that's my, on my 64. Oh, it's my 64 Rock hard card. 
is where stuff is going to go to accumulate. My 32 gig is where I put stuff that when I'm done with it, it's done and I can delete it and hopefully it's for something else. So anyway, that was a side <laughs> note. So back to my back to my quick hits. I'm still stuffing you here. Uh, so uh, <laughs> shovel night, shovel night, shovel night, people. Shovel oh night, yeah, night. no one will shut up about shovel nights. Shovel night is awesome. Yeah. If you are what is shovel night. So shovel night is a superlative Mega Man game. It's indie based- delight. Yes, it is an NES-like, uh, an NES-like, that uh, basically takes the Mega Man formula. So you have a character who is uh, blue and has very limited powers, and as you go and defeat oh, others, and you take their powers. <laughs> and it is, it is done in, you know, not like a, you know, a rose-colored tinted glasses, like a retro game that kind of looks like, you know, might have a... It literally would probably run on an NES. Uh, in fact, there was a pretty interesting article on, like, Gama Sutra or something where they talked about how, like, the few ways in which they cheated, you know, the mm-hmm. system. So it wouldn't actually run on an NES, but it looks like an NES game. It looks like an actual honest-to-God 8-bit game. Um, it has... Man top- 9 and 10, right? Uh, kind of, yeah, yeah. And, you know, even in Mega Man 9 and 10 where they would do, like, a slow screen slowdown and stuff like that. Sprite flicker. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Flicker. So that's one thing that they cheated. This doesn't have any sprite flicker that I can think of, but uh, and you know, in terms of the number of sound channels, they kind of pretended like, well, you know, maybe it has one of the special, yeah, uh, you know, chips. yeah exactly, <laughs> chips inside. So they sort of faked it a little bit, but other than that, uh, it, it's right on. But it also makes updates to the to the old form. In some very nice ways. Uh, no life limits. Um, your your uh, objective is to your, your character is a shovel knight. He carries a shovel instead of a sword. So you're constantly like shoveling little piles and getting gems out of them and and, and getting gold. Yeah, and it's super cool. Like everything. Is he related to Dust Force? Uh, <laughs> oh. Quite no no. Uh, but it does have the uh, you know so there there are like. Um, uh, challenges and things. So, so do you remember in Zelda Two, the Adventure of Link, where you could do that downward thrusting thing with your sword and bounce mm-hmm. on bad guys and stuff? So you can do that with your shovel. Sometimes you can, you know, get to higher areas with it. Sometimes Almost you Almost like Decktails. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's oh, sort good. of like that, that. I'm glad you mentioned that. So it's sort of like half Mega Man, half Ducktales. Uh, Those would be thirds. Those would be thirds. Half one third well, Zelda, I- one third Mega Man, one third. Well, it mostly from Zelda just kind of has. I guess it does have it does have towns. So okay, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll meet you on the third. So there's towns you can go into, <laughs> little jokes and secrets and things. Um, 3ds two version fifths. of two fifths. Two fifths. Eighths of a uh, yeah. So the 3ds version is the one I've been playing. You can get get it also on Wii U uh, and Steam and PC. Yeah, it'll probably be coming later to other platforms. I'm sure, but the 3ds version has a cool. Street Pass feature when you uh, you prepare a ghost for yourself like a you have a single screen combat arena with no enemies and it's a side scrolling platformer so you have one arena and there's gems and you basically go and swing at the air and try and collect some gems that are there in a certain amount of time and you do this with nobody else there when you street pass someone they have done the same thing so sight unseen totally blind they have got their character jumping and swinging and if it just so happens that your two characters meet and you kill the other person you get a point or if they kill you, they get a point, and it's best out of three. So it basically has you record like this blind dummy ghost thing, and when you street pass someone, you get to see whether your ghost is better. Who who had the ghost with the most, basically? Uh, which Beetlejuice. You can't do so yes. Um, <laughs> wow, so, Jeremy. Yeah, it's uh, daylight come, and I want to go. Uh, Jesus. So the uh, <laughs> the. Uh, couple of other things. I'll make them even quicker because I'm not even done yet. Uh, Mario, Golf, Mario Golf World Tour. Great Mario Golf gameplay. It's excellent yeah, just the way you're playing other that. systems. 
it has an unfortunate unlock system. Um, you have to go through like this uh, learning process, and you have to do challenges to unlock the courses. I wish you could just play the damn courses. Uh, I plan to buy the DLC. They've got three DLC courses that are supposed to be really cool. I, I totally Part plan to buy problem. them. Unlock them. Uh, no, dude, I would happily do this. <laughs> Give me what I want, company. If it was Tiger Woods, you'd get like 20 holes in one, you could unlock them. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so you guys don't remember that? Jeremy, how does it compare to other golf games? Uh, it is Mario Golf, so it is the best golf. <laughs> I meant, okay. I'm more Hot Shots. Not. Hot Shots has, has, yeah. says hello. Uh, you know, I could, I could go with Hot Shots, but of the two, honestly, if I had to pick, I'd go with Mario Golf. Just because of the uh, characters or the physics? Uh, I, you know, I really like the courses. Yeah. I really like... They're, so in this they're a little bit more, what, fantastical? Yes, mm. yes. And, and so it has kind of like some normally kind of courses, like muggle right. courses, like the kind you might find at an actual place. But then, of course, it's got like the, Mushroom, you know, w- yeah. Wiggler Woods and the Yoshi whatever, you know. So, and, and Are I, they as ball-bustingly tough as the last Hot Shots game on the Vita? They, can be. Uh, they can be. Actually, it's not as tough as that. No, it's not as tough as Vita. I thought Thank you were going to say. Thank God, that was just too damn tough. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun, and they and the challenges. That's the thing. Like some of the challenges are a little bit difficult, and you know, usually I'm the kind of person who will get par or a bogey. I haven't gotten any holes in one yet. I think I got one eagle. Uh, so I don't know. The the mix is probably correct, but uh, still a lot of fun if you can just unlock the courses that you actually want to play in single player mode. Uh, so that's quick, quick. I got to keep going quick. Uh, Mario Kart Eight, uh, really good. Really Really fun. Looks great. The opening music sounds like the intro to Saturday Night Live. So if you play Mario Kart, <laughs> just do the uh, Don, Don Pardo. Pardo. Yeah. Yes, R.I.P. Don Pardo, and and just like announce the names of the characters: Princess Peach, <laughs> nice, Von Koopa, and it just it sounds it's so Saturday Night Live exactly with special musical guest Macklemore. You know, you can and it it, it works really well. Do it every time. I, I do it every time. So uh, Mario Kart Eight. I don't do you. Yes, uh, Guacamelee Super Championship Turbo Edition. Very quick, we've talked about Guacamelee before. Uh, I always believe that the optimum version of Guacamelee has been the PS3 version with Vita Cross Control, until the Wii U version of Super Guacamelee uh, of Guacamelee Super Champ- Championship Turbo Edition, uh, uh-huh. because you can use the gamepad to see the screen in the same way that you could with the Vita, and it has all the new content for the uh, Super Championship Turbo Edition. So that's all I'll say about that. Super Time Force on Xbox 360, uh, although Ultimate version just came out on PC, probably coming I've been soon. I've playing that. It is a genius, genius side-scrolling shooter that uses uh, a single-player co-op mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, you have different characters who have different little specialties, like you have kind of a chain gun guy, and you have a sniper girl, and a shield yeah. guy, and a dinosaur, and a dolphin, uh, and you unlock them, and they all have fun names, like Jean Rambois instead of John Rambo, and uh, there's a, uh, who's, the, who's the guy? Jeff Leopard. Um, <laughs> right. There's a dinosaur? Uh, yeah. yeah, he's sort of loosely based on the cartoon Denver the Last Dinosaur. Did you ever see that? Okay. Uh-huh. Denver Nola Dinos- has a dinosaur and a smart comeback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mm. <laughs> Denver the Last Dinosaur used to be my secret shame. Like, do you ever have cartoons that you're just afraid to tell people that you knew about or acknowledged? Denver the Last um, Dinosaur. Yeah, usually Sailor Moon. I will. No, not, actually, I was but... going to say that Fonzie Happy Days one that Hanna Barbera did in the '90s or in the '70s, I believe. Yes. Everyone has one. We need a catharsis episode where we can just talk about uh, terrible cartoons that the we Jetsons. Kind of watch. Yeah, come That's on, That's not a shame thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Just for hey, that, Hanna Barbera. I'll let it slide. 
I see what you're doing here. Um, but uh, single-player co-op mechanic, the thing, about, the thing about this game, Super Time Force, is that at any point, if you die, you can roll back time. So it's kind of like Bastion, or not, sorry, not Bastion, but, uh, oh my Prince god. Uh, no, Yes, well, Prince of Persia, or uh, I, was, I was thinking of, uh, what's Jonathan Blow's, game? Jonathan Blow's game? What was Jonathan Blow's game? Oh my god. The puzzle one? Yes. yes. Uh, no. The, no, not Fez, the braid. Braid, okay, thank yeah. you. It's so it's constantly sort of keeping track of what you're doing, and you can rewind at any time. Either if you die, you can rewind and then place a new character, any character that you choose, and you can then play forward in time, and if you can save your other character, like kill the guy who's going to kill your character, then you can have two characters that play along with you. Like, you get a special extra power, like instead of just being a sniper girl, you're the sniper girl and the chain gun person together, so every time you fire a special mm-hmm. move, you sort of combine powers. Or, at any point, you can choose just to pause time, go back, and add somebody new. So that's the way that it makes the single-person co-op, is that you are playing with yourself, <laughs> yeah. You're playing Jesus, with yourself. Jesus, guys, come on. Why does it have to? You just lob them over the plate at five miles an hour. Of course I'm going to swing at it. And, All right, that's fair. And, and it <laughs> takes a little bit of time to wrap your head around, but it, um, it's, it's just really cool. I'm it's liking it, but I'm not loving it, Jeremy. Uh, you're a terrible person. And... <laughs> Jetsons. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, no, actually, I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, just like with Destiny, yeah. you know. No, I really it. wanted to like it. I heard nothing but great things. And I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I need to head back here's, into it. Here's my problem with it. Like, it it's a great it, concept. It brings out in me that terrible, like, gotta do it perfect thing that video maybe. games have. Yeah, maybe. Oh, that might be. That is one thing I will always. And the one thing you missed games. is you have to complete the level under it. Fairly strict time. Yeah, so there's like so a there's minute. a timer that's going on. But the thing is that not only are you going backward in time, but sometimes you can do things that will slow the clock, and you're in yeah. super slow mo bullet mode or bullet time. Mm-hmm. And so so they they play around with it, you know, both in reverse and in forward. You know what it was? Uh, some people compared it to Contra, and it's not Contra at all. No. And maybe uh, I was going in expecting Contra, but no, but because the I mean, mechanics the are so oriented, it's really a puzzle game about time and how how you know to get past. I could I could sort of see that like a puzzle platformer. Puzzle yeah, platformer. to me it's more of a puzzler than a shooter. Okay, I mean, I so those are shooter. those are my quick hits. I actually had actual games I was going to talk about. I'm going to try and do them sort of moderately fast. I realize I'm, I defy you to stop me from talking about video games. Stop. Uh, <laughs> I, I can save them. I can save them for next time. But I wanted that other stuff to go. Up next, Zidi Outlook. <laughs> yeah. So. Anyhow, uh, tell you what, tell you what. Here, here, here's what I'll do. I'll tell you the names of the. Games that <laughs> Jeremy, I was... you sound like a used car salesman. No, no, I just. <laughs> here's what I'll do. Let I'm going to throw in the wax package, yeah. and I'm going to put the tinting on for free. Right. These games, and don't forget the pine tree air freshener. They require discussion. They require discussion. So I might save one. You and know what I'm going to do? I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about Soul Sacrifice Delta. I'm going to see if I can get Sean Nola to come back for an episode, and we'll talk about Soul Sacrifice Delta together. I've been playing a lot of Soul Sacrifice Delta. I'll skip that for now. I'll spare you Soul Sacrifice. You guys been playing together? Uh, Not yet. In fact, I propositioned him a little bit earlier today. Yeah, Uh how'd that turn out? He is DTF. uh, So uh, down to. He's uh, he's down to uh, fiddle with. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Uh, I, I so uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, I think positioning down to fiddling. Oh my god. So here, okay, here's what here's Sometimes what we'll you guys make about. it too easy for me. Uh, let me let me do another quick one. Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare. 
Uh, kind of Battlefield's hero, Battlefield Heroesy. Did anybody play Battlefield Heroes on the uh, PC, the in-browser game yep. that they did for Battlefield? Yep. Uh, it kind of feels like that. It, it yeah. uses the Plants vs. Zombies license. It has kind of a weird realism kind of art style to it. So all of the plants look a little bit creepy. Like the sunflower, when you see it from behind, like it has all those extra ruffles. I kind of like that. That's how I would I, I, imagine I I, Plants yeah, vs. Zombies to be. I kind of did, too. I don't know why they did it, though. I mean, I guess they just had, I don't I, know. I, I kind of dig the aesthetic. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And you know what? I have to say, the, the, the plants running around. So you the plants actually get up and run around, and it's mm-hmm. actually a um, multiplayer deathmatch shooter, third-person mm-hmm. shooter. Um, you, you do the, the standard things, deathmatch, point defense, uh, whatever, but it, it uses the very charming plants versus zombies aesthetic. So you might have to uh, defend your garden against an influx of zombies who are uh, sprouting up from gravestones that are sort of popping up on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, you It has this card pack thing kind of like Titanfall. I mentioned I was going to talk about Titanfall. So between levels, uh, you might unlock card packs, kind of like burn cards, uh, and they will unlock new abilities or new skins for your characters, so you can get, like, the, you know, the Mexican sombrero cactus or something like that. Or they have a Cheetos promotion going on, where you can get, like, a Chester the Cheetah chomper, uh, who Mm. has the sunglasses and the big uh, underbite like Chester the Cheetah. Um... Uh, so you you can play as the Chomper, you know the the Audrey two uh, toothy Venus flytrap plant, uh, Cactus, who's a sharpshooter. And I have to say, uh, when you mentioned like look, liking the, the art style, that Cactus when it runs around, it like does this, this wiggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just cracks me up when it runs around. Uh, you can do your pea shooter. Uh, on the other side, you can play a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> pea shooter. Uh, <sighs> Jeremy, you're just spilling your seed on from- this one. <laughs> I know. I uh, onanism. What can I say? Um, so the um, uh, the thing about it, though, and you can upgrade your abilities and stuff. So the 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 chomper can get this thing where he goes under the ground and digs around and then comes up like jaws and like instant kill. Uh, you know, zombies and things like that. But on the other side, there's a zombie plumber who, get, for some reason, gets a sonic bomb that can can stun the chomper and you know drive him out of the ground. Things like that. You can upgrade abilities. I mean, it, it really is fun. Honestly, it's really fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But but, but, would you play this over, like, any other shooter that's out there? Maybe. Uh, I might. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I might. Because it's, it's not something you need. isn't it? It's pretty accessible. It's, yeah. it's, it's worth, it's, like it's worth and it's trying, got but... Both, I mean, it's got both it, aesthetics and gameplay elements that are pretty unique to it that, that do set it apart from every other shooter. That's true. And, like, the maps are kind of cool. And you know what? Here's an interesting thing. So I'm playing this on the PS4 version. Remember how when they talked about the PS4 and they announced it, they said, oh, yeah, you're going to be able to play games while they're downloading. Yeah. This is the first game that I'm aware of that actually does that. Oh, However, good. what it does when it's <laughs> downloading is it, uh, it, after a certain number of – so this is like a 15 First game on the PS4. First game, I don't know. Is there another game on any platform that does it? I can't think of one. If there is one, listeners, tell us. Uh, but it, it, it's not the full oh, game that lets okay. play. It dumps you into kind of an open area where you can pick any of the characters and just kind of have free-for-all against zombies. Which, you know <laughs> what? It's not quite the real thing, but you know what? It's the first one to do anything like that, so I'm giving them the credit. Jeremy, have you played any of the co-op? 
Yes, so it has split-screen co-op, which is basically like the regular single-player, except there are two of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let my kids play it, and they did a uh, defense wave sort of horde mode thing, and uh, it was really cool. I dig the fact that they have that in this game. I don't know how many people are going to use it. Uh, I know anecdotally I've seen a couple people play with their kids, and it's nice to be able to do that. Kind of like the, you know, kind of like the console version of Minecraft, right? Like, you can't do it on the PC. It's something that is pretty much going to be console exclusive. But they they have an online co-op, too, don't they? Uh, Well, you can play with, I mean, you can form parties and and play co-op together, so there are those modes, but this is split-screen, same couch co-op. Um, mm-hmm. So when on PlayStation 4, one of the exciting things that they have said is is imminent in an upcoming PlayStation 4 update uh, is going to be online couch co-op. So any game that includes couch co-op, you'll be able to do that remote. Uh, you know, your friends can remote into your game and play couch co-op with you, even though they're away from you. If that makes That's sense. That's pretty bad. Sage, I, I have sense. a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you yes. remember when we saw this announced at E3? And uh-huh. one of the guys from PopCap did something really awkward. What was that? Did he try to do the splits or something? What, what, what was that at the very end? Oh, oh God. Yeah. I was trying to remember. No. It, it I just, don't remember what it, he did, but I do failed. remember that moment where it was, it was like, what? It was really the... awkward. Did yeah. the trouble shuffle on stage. Yeah. Something shuffle. like that. Yeah. yeah. It, it just uh, didn't so work I'll, out. I'll end that for, for my games, uh, but I will tell you I've also been playing Sword Art Online. Uh, oh. Wow. Wow. Jeremy. Based on the Japanese anime, mm-hmm. uh, wow. I, I heard it has tentacles. It mm-hmm. it unfortunately the, the anime has tentacles. Uh, it had uh, so I'll talk about this. So Robert, in revenge for you slandering the Jetsons, let me talk a little bit about Sword Art Online. I'm going to get <laughs> it water here. Sword Art Online. So so the anime. So this is a game from uh, Bandai Namco. Actually, can, quick I side that right. thing here. No. Well, here's the thing. Is it Bandai Namco? Yes. Nam- Namco Bandai? It's Bandai Namco now. Different? Do they change on alternate yeah, they... <laughs> years? No, it's Bandai Namco. It, it's... That's what it is. It, no, it used to be Namco Bandai, and then they switched it. Um, I hate that. Oh, wait, Tecmo. Tecmo <laughs> Toy. Well, they hate Yes, exactly. I hate that. I hate that Bandai. They hate you. Yes, well, they do. They must hate me because Sword Art Online. So enough of the publisher. How's the Actually, it's, it's, it's not that bad. Uh, well, the game, so <laughs> the, the anime, the anime... Uh, is sort of like a dot hack kind of thing where the, the mm-hmm. concept is that everyone is stuck in this uh, MMO, basically. It's, a, it's like a, in the future, there's an MMO game where everybody plugs in, they jack into the Matrix, and they're in this MMO, but they're stuck there. And um, and then, I guess, it kind of turns into a harem anime at some point, which... Uh, uh, so I'm the game... I'm bored with this. I, I was really disappointed. <laughs> you know, I... I, when, when I when I watched um, Attack on Titan, I was like, yeah, it's okay. But now I'm liking it even more because they refrained from doing that sort of thing. It was it was very tasteful in that it didn't have like booby grabbing scenes and stuff like that. Like, come on. Um, but the game itself. So let's talk about the game. So it's but. on the Vita. But uh, but it uh, uh, it's on the Vita, and it is a fairly competent kind of B tier MMO simulator. Uh, so in, in the same way that the game is, is based on this MMO concept and they're very careful to use, you know, authentic language like raids and mobs and tanks and loot, things like Loot? Do they call loot loot? Yeah, they, they, yeah they, well, I don't remember if they call it loot. You can get chests and stuff and there is loot, but it's very sort of self-aware. Well, you said you could get chests already. Yeah, you can get, you can grab chests and you can <laughs> grab chests. Um, Jesus. but... 
the the menu systems, you know, they talk about well, we're going to party up. In fact, during the during the tutorial, they talk about pulling aggro and avoiding ads, like char- you know, little characters who come and swarm in, and and you know, they they basically tell you do tiny ranged attacks to pull aggro to get one person away, and then fight that person, and then just keep doing that over and over again. Which you know, like it's authentic kind of to that MMO experience, but it ends up not being like super fun. Uh, you play as the main character Kirito. Uh, weirdly, you can customize the character at the beginning. You can even give him a different name, a different voice, a different look but they still call you Kirito. It's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, so I don't really get that. Uh, it launches you right into... It takes place after the the, uh, the anime, and I'm still in the middle of... I'm still about eight to ten episodes into the anime. Uh, I, I had to watch it because I didn't know the characters. Obviously, this was a... a a spin-off uh, or a, a tie-in uh, property for the, the show, so I'm like, I better watch the show. Everyone says it's good, so, you know, it's all right. I've been w- watching it during workouts, and it's, it's all right. Um, but <laughs> they start you, so they start you kind of at the end of that, so your characters are like level 100 characters. You're fighting level 95 bad guys. There's thousands of hit points, and when you attack someone, you hit them for thousands of attack points, and it kind of makes it difficult at first to really tell if you're doing anything right or not. Um, it's a it's a party based system, so you can have a party of two, uh, which is kind of a system limitation thing. I mean, I'm sure they, uh, you know, y- you do run into other NPC characters fighting and things like that. But the the, the core of this is you and a character uh, do the vanguard, like being the the, uh, the the DPS character, the attacking character, and then someone else is the tank or the you know draws the aggro. And so the idea is that you switch. They they have this move in the show. They're like, oh, switch, and they switch. And, um, you know, then the person behind, like, does this devastating attack and kills monsters. Um, but So M- MMOs it. usually require a lot of keys. Do you use everything backtouch? Uh, no, in fact, it, it doesn't really use backtouch at all. In fact, what it does is you have you use your shoulder buttons to toggle between a couple of different menus to do special sword skills. So the this the sword art online, there's no ma- in the show they said there was no magic, but in the game you can do like healing and stuff. So I don't know if I haven't gotten to that point in the show yet, but uh, they might be bending the rules a little bit. Uh, but you can also send messages to your partner character. So you can say, I need you to do one of your special attacks. Uh, I need you to uh, guard, or you know, if if you you're the attacking player and, and the aggro is being on the other character, you can say, all right, I need you to guard while I do my work. Um, and, and then they will also, conversely, they will communicate with you and they'll send you, hey, do your special attack now. And if you do that, then you do this like combo move and like faces flash across the screen as like, you know, and you do some really major damage. And, and generally speaking, like you can just sit and not do special moves and your dude will kind of plunk away at the bad guy, but not really much happens. So you kind of have to manage your special attack meters. There's like three or four different meters you kind of have to keep track of. It's a little bit confusing at first, uh, but eventually you kind of figure out how to start taking down some higher level characters, uh, getting better equipment, things like that. Eventually you can go on raids and, uh, you know, the goal then becomes to try and keep characters alive. Because in in the show, there are only a limited number of people who got into this game, and then some mad, you know, game developer. Um, it, it was a conspiracy, uh, uh, you know, because game developer conspiracies. Uh, and he like locked everybody in this in this game. And if you die in the game, you die in the real world, uh, supposedly. So it's it's that. Damn, kind of- that was one of my ideas. So, yeah, uh, and, and you know, like I said, the, the game is actually pretty competent in terms of representing that that idea, that MMO, it's very true to the show. Um, it does get a little more like, I don't really understand why all these women are, are, are fussing and fretting over this dude. Like he's kind of a loser. I mean, he Jeremy, really do it's an anime. anime. 
Yeah, I because exactly. anime, that's the answer. I know. And you know what? For, for listeners, honestly, if you're into that, it probably won't bother you. For me, like every time, you know, there's like this like flirtation going on. I'm like, oh, God. You're just um, jealous. But, you know, the, another weird thing, too, is that all of, the, all of the other characters are voice acted, but the main character is not, uh, which is weird. Uh, yeah. Like in some, yeah, in some scenes. But everyone uh, loves a beater, Jeremy. Yeah, they, yes. So he's a, he's a beater. Yeah, he's a beater. And I don't know. They made up that term, and I've never really. It's a portmanteau for uh, what is it like? Uh, cheater and beta tester. Cheater and somebody beta yeah, tester. Yeah, that's true. He is a beta tester. That's right. So, uh, but it never really it never really comes off in the show that he's I don't know whatever. So uh, anyhow, like I. Said uh, it, it does a pretty good job. This is the only time on the Vita. Have you guys ever come across a situation where you see frame dropping and stuttering? I think this is the first game where I've actually seen that. So in general, uh, on I think the Vita, Digi Den Sigma Two was kind of wishy-washy in that way. Yeah, I never really. Played that dropped to thirty anyway. I played they, could, they couldn't, they couldn't keep was... uh, the thirty frames per second. Uh, in 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 this game, no. Mm. Uh, the, uh, I mean, if you're walking around town and stuff, because generally the environments are pretty sparse. Like you might, mm-hmm. you know, it's it the the areas are set up kind of like you would in an MMO, kind of like little uh, pathway areas that open up into air, into larger rooms that kind of mm-hmm. have monsters. Um, well, when so I actually not- I was playing MLB 14, just like you, Blue, and when I would hit a foul ball, <laughs> it would get a little framey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ha- I had that happen too. Mm-hmm. Were you playing uh, digitally or uh, using the card? Card. Mm. So I think it was even worse if you played digitally, or so really? I heard. Hmm. For some reason. So in, in in closing here, I feel like it's <laughs> if you're a fan of Sword Art Online, obviously you'll you'll probably dig this. Um, I it's not a bad game, but you can tell like it's not it's not great production wise. I mean, the translations are kind of iffy now and then. Some people when they they because I've been seeing people review this and they're like, oh, the translations are so bad. And, you know, there are. Like, they don't use the right words. Some <laughs> they are. They, they are. They are. You know? <laughs> they're angry. They are, but they uh-huh. are. <laughs> they are. They are. But I don't find that it really distracts me that much. I'm like, uh, yep. I guess you guys should just like the internet. There. Yeah, it is just like the internet. I mean, I'm on Twitter all day and it's like, Jesus, could you use some grammar? But, um, <laughs> so, the, 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 the bigger thing, though, is that it's sometimes a little bit hard to tell if what you're doing is successful or not. You don't always get a good idea of whether a higher level enemy is going to is going to just wipe the floor with you or or not. I have seen the uh, game over screen several times in this. It is fairly liberal with the saving, so anytime you go to a screen load area, it basically saves your progress there. Um, and it is kind of exciting. Like I do get a rush when you know if I'm a level hundred character and we're fighting a level hundred and twenty six, whatever it means. I mean, it's a total arbitrary level system, but it is cool to like feel like yes, yes, okay, I'm doing this right. I'm, I'm just like in the show, man. I'm I'm doing it, um, and 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 you know, getting some some good loot drops or whatever. Um, but it is it is definitely like a. I mean, it would be a super budget MMO experience. So um, if you want to continue the Sword Art Online story, I don't know if this is considered canon or how that works in in these situations. Um, but I, I feel like there are probably people out there, the kind of people who. Uh, I, who gush over Sword Art Online on Crunchyroll, and I can't find any basis or reason why they think it's the greatest anime of all time. Uh, those people probably will like this without question. Uh, for the rest of you, it is a full-priced game, um, so uh, you know you may want to 
really consider it, maybe watch some videos, see if it's your kind of thing. But I, I was kind of impressed that they sort of pulled off that MMO-like experience on the Vita. And I'm so impressed from that, you're pl- playing an anime game, Jeremy. Uh, so, I, I mean, how did this come about? I have played <laughs> my fair share of the uh, animes uh, in my day. <laughs> really? Such as? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Skeptical eye. Any animes. Hey, come on, I played Valkyria Chronicles. Well, yeah. Okay, yeah. and? Uh, I, I, was, I was expecting, uh, have you played that Lupin the Third game? Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I could go looking through my list of stuff here. I Come on. I you mean, liar! You've played Valkyrie Chronicles and that's it. What other anime game have you Pokemon. played? Pokemon. i played Pokemon. Oh, everybody's Cheating. played Pokemon. <laughs> well, you can't be on the show X. unless you play Pokemon. Well, Your mom I, has probably played Pokemon. I mean, generally speaking, can I tell you guys a secret about, about anime? I don't know. No. Can you? It's <laughs> not. It's it's not like really that excellent. Oh my god! Uh-oh. First of all, get off the show. Just hurt everybody. I, I'm just telling you. But let let me tell you another secret. He's trolling. Most most television is not excellent. So well, when that I can fall... agree with. Oh oh! Now you it's, can agree. It's, with. Jeremy, no, you're watching the like wrong anime. Crap. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like any other anything. There's good anime and there's bad anime. There's good cartoons, exactly. bad cartoons. There's bad sitcoms and worse sitcoms. There's good podcast yeah. hosts and there's Jeremy. So, <laughs> so just consider if what I said about anime generally not being excellent offends you, but it's okay to say that general generally TV isn't excellent, doesn't offend you. Just check your values. But uh, generally speaking, oh, though, oh, I know. Oh. You yes. anti-Nippon jerk. Come, come on, bring it. Bring it, all of you. Uh, no, but uh, I, I have been, uh, you know, I'm going to finish Sword Art Online, both the show, and I'll probably put some more time into the game. Uh, it's, it's decent. It's worthwhile. But I think you should look ahead into it before you go barreling down into the so, Sword so Art Jeremy, Online. So, Jeremy, you've made a judgment. Give me some anime you've been watching lately. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, I did watch Attack on Titan. Okay. And... Good I liked you. Attack on Titan. I mean, right. by the end of it, I was like, yeah, because, you know, the, the action in Attack on Titan is really cool. Yeah. But I, I'm not doing any spoilers. But but the, but most of it is, like, slow parts. And the more the, the, it gets slow, like, then you kind of start thinking about, gosh, like, why are people really affla- afraid of these of these Titans? Like, they're kind of dumb, and I don't really buy the fact that they're wiping out all of these, like, super fast, zippy warriors. And, like, oh, these characters, like, that guy... I don't really believe in his oh, relationship with other dudes. Oh, okay, okay, go on. Beyond so Titan, anyway, Titan, yes. Uh, yeah, so Attack on Titan. Uh, I don't know. What did I watch before that? Uh, I watched um, something besides Sword Art Online. Uh, yeah, well, Sword Art Online and Attack on Titan are the two most recent ones. I mean, Have I just, you watched watch two. Failure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, we can talk about. Do you want you want to make this an anime podcast? I mean, look at the time, but uh, <laughs> Jeremy. If, if it was hey, an anime an podcast based on what you, if it was an anime podcast based on what you watched, we'd be, be done already. Long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, qualify for a podcast. You've sure, seen so, two. You've seen yeah, all so two. I've, I've watched Dragon Ball. I mean, anything that's on Toonami, right? So anything that doesn't on... count. No. So now you're going to Jeremy. Your opinion is flaccid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> flaccid, and anime has made it flaccid. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> People I, in the comments need to list. recommend animes yes. that Jeremy needs to watch. Yes. Please, what's the point if you say La Blue Girl just to troll him? We're going to have the Lamont telethon. I love good entertainment. 
and and I have some favorite I have some favorite anime. Uh, it's been a long time since I've watched them. I mean, I'm not digging deep into my well here, but uh, uh, my my I tell you what, my favorite anime of all time, Alien Nine. If anybody out there has seen Alien Nine, I would love to talk to you about it. We'll talk about it in the comments on the website, tech-gaming.com. On the you internet. really want to spend some time in the comments. You have now tailed everybody to comment like four different things. Hey, you know what? They're happy to hear us. So yes, they are. Wait, Jeremy, you didn't like Totoro. Uh, I, you know what? I didn't like Totoro as a character. I think that that movie should have been called Cat Bus because <laughs> <laughs> Totoro doesn't do anything that entire movie. Uh, hey, he sits around imparting wisdom by just sitting there. That's what he does. Yes, so I didn't find that very charming about Totoro, but <laughs> Cat Bus saves the fucking day, and so they should have called that movie Cat Bus. Mm, okay. <laughs> Do you see The Wind Rises? Uh, no, but I did see... You know what my favorite new Miyazaki movie is? Is um, uh, From Up on Poppy Hill, which was excellent. Okay, you're redeemed. <laughs> Outlook, that part of the Tech Gaming Podcast where we talk about big ideas from smaller studios. I am Robert Desert Eagle Allen, and with me is the sorceress of social media. I'm talking about side. Wow. <laughs> well, hello there. You like the alliteration? Wow, yeah, I feel special now. Speaking of special, how does it feel to be back after a summer hiatus? It's It's been a long time. I'm glad to be back, actually. Glad to be back. Okay. Well, hopefully <laughs> in the recess uh, since our last episode, you had a chance to scout out a few gems for us. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, awesome. Well, <laughs> let's talk about them. I have one, and I wanted to start things off by, by talking about a jewel that just came out of nowhere. Um, you know the adage, don't judge a book by its cover. Well, I am guilty, and uh, that's exactly what I did here. Uh, I saw some rumblings <laughs> of a particularly challenging take on the tower defense genre, and I gave it kind of a quick look, looked at some of the uh, screenshots. And what I found was, you know, the usual pathways where you're charged with guarding, uh, you know, guarding in a, in a blocky Lego-style context. And the enemies were shapes that resembled colorful Dungeons & Dragons dice, um, there was like the four-sided pyramid and the 20-sided die, the uh, icosahedron, or is it the dodecahedron? No, that's 12-sider. Are you, are you with me still? <laughs> so before, before I take I'm a mathematical trying. tangent, tangent. I'm trying to um, figure out which game you're talking about. Yes, I just want to say <laughs> I made the mistake of thinking terahedron. Uh, terahedron's oh, rather yeah, plain right. visuals. Um, you know, the visuals uh, at first I thought were a little plain. I thought they represented the quality of the gameplay, but I was so wrong. Um, the night sure, I got the game, game, yeah, I totally, I put six hours <laughs> in. 
I was uh, seriously, I wasn't able to stop, um, and my my wrist was sore um, from mousing the playfield around, and that was after four ri- four hours of writing and data entry before that. So that I have the strongest wrist known to man right now. Um, so once wow, that, that's a common yes. yes, second only to blue. Um, so once players <laughs> choose, I believe there's eight or so stages. Uh, they have an unlimited amount of time, but limited uh, currency to place their defenses. Now, now here, Terahedron, it doesn't veer far from tower defense archetype. It gives players, you know, the typical pew pew lasers, um, units that can slow enemies down, or the big bulky turrets that inflict uh, splash damage. In fact, the one departure early on in my favorite weapon uh, is this plastic, what is called a plastic laser, and it shoots these rays which bounce off the walls um, originally three times, and then you can boost it up to six times. Uh, and how hard is it? How hard is it to get together because it's supposed to be in 3D? Now, uh, uh, there was some people that said the 3D aspect and navigating it around the playfield was hard. To me, it just it made absolute sense. So you use wow, the mouse. That's insane. It yeah, you, you use the mouse and you hold the what is it? So you know, I'm having more more of a hard time <laughs> separating left from right than actually moving around. Uh, you use the left mouse button and you hold that down and you can move the playfield around. You know, um, along the x and y axis. And then if you hold down the right trigger, it just kind of scrolls by. And so I never had a problem getting uh, where I wanted to use the, the mouse button to zoom in and out. I always, you know, it's really easy to kind of frame the action. Uh, and then there's that pause in between waves where you can stop and reorient the camera if you want. And there's a space bar to, to get it back to kind of the default. So never had a problem with that. Um, the 3D element uh, it just really adapted too quickly. Um, so, so once you realize um, that the game is in, like I said, this 3D space, and your, your turrets take pot shots, just not on the trail in front of them, like most tower defense, but sometimes on the walls beside them. Um, and then you, you realize that you when you place a defense, you have this wireframe representation of its range. The one thing I'd like to say is I, would, I, I do wish that I saw this placement before I set down um, the actual turret itself. But uh, just so I could see like the range and, and coordinate and, and get multiple like uh, fields of fire on the enemies. Yeah, because I love to plan. So anyway, a few did rounds you get a in. Chance, did you get a chance to do the multiplayer? No, I did not. This is all single player. I did. I played solo, and I didn't even want to ruin the experience by letting another person. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there is up to eight eight people um, in the multiplayer component. But I did not touch that. Um, but anyway, a few rounds in, the money starts coming in, and then you realize you can buy these extenders. These look like the like they're out of a high tech building block set. And what they do is they allow you to craft these really immense walls that, that offer massive stopping power. Uh, so you save your money, and it's possible to, to create these giant walls of death at the different build points. And as you're killing enemies from game to game, you're also contributing to this experience pool, which unlocks new upgrades and weapons, which is really cool. So there's kind of a mechanic that stretches from game to game. Uh, there, there's one laser that sends out like this blowtorch stream of destruction uh, that, that strips away kind of the, the durability of enemies. And then at the same time, it gives off this really cool rainbow effect. Um, 
And then all of a sudden it just all melts and turns into pure addiction. Um, and I all, can tell. Yeah, all the different, you know, kind of components <laughs> come together. And things I didn't mention, like you can, uh, I didn't really talk about multiplayer. You can change the logic for each turret so you can focus on the oh, strongest wow. enemies. Yeah, the closest enemies, things like that. But is that only available in multiplayer? No, no, that's single player. That's single player. Oh. And, and what's cool about it is it helps you. But if you want to just ignore that, if you don't want to get into the programming of the different turrets, you, you can get by without that. Um, now, now, let me get, jump back to the graphics. Um, remember when I said it looked a little bit plain in screenshots? Well, get a decent desktop or laptop, and everything looks like this miniature little world. And as I mentioned, you can just pan, zoom. Yeah, I, I got a chance to look at them on Steam, yeah. and it looks, it looks really interesting, especially it, because of the 3D element. It's a totally yeah. different game. It does... It, it's a fresh view from it. Yeah, and on both, even on a kind of mid-range laptop, it ran at 60 frames per second. Uh, the soundtrack is chip tune, nice. uh, complements the action. One of the songs, it, it sounds like some kind of pop song. I don't know which one, but it was kind of driving me crazy <laughs> to figure out which which song <laughs> it was evoking. Uh, right now, the the game has a single Metacritic rating in the 40s. Uh, so one review, which I think is just this huge tragedy. So listeners, I advise you to seek out uh, the, the programmer's name, Dan Walter, uh, this gem, and especially if you like the tower defense genre. Uh, but put, a, put aside a little bit of time there. You know, put aside six hours or your life for <laughs> Terrahedron. So that, that's been my total addiction. It's so good, it kind of got me back into the tower defense genre. I, I was just scouting out any kind of tower defense game and playing that and, and then just going back to Terrahedron. So I love it. Also, another th- another game I love. <laughs> uh, you probably know what's coming up. Let's talk about Mega Coin Squad. Yay! Cha-ching! So, <laughs> anyway, um, I like when an indie game builds on a popular genre and then it takes it on a new, new direction. I think that's really good. And... That is really what Mega Coin Squad does. Uh, at its heart, the game employs kind of the, the fundamentals of platforming. So you have jumps, double jumps. You, you can hop on these springs. You bounce on enemy heads. You ground pounds. Uh, all, all these different elements that it does well, and especially when you play with the controller. But where most games kind of send you across these large, scrolling landscapes, Mega Coin Squad. Its realm is I think probably is the, is the is the best kind of typical Mario game that you can find. Yeah, well, well it's a little bit different because it's only about maybe three screens, three and a half screens wide, not much taller. And so one of the things you do here is you defeat enemies, uh, and defeating enemies is really secondary to grabbing as many coins as possible. Uh, and in fact, your course, which is plotted on this Mario Brothers three-style map, which takes you to different mm-hmm. stages where you have different environments, which kind of emulates. At first, you start off with kind of green, and then you go in the desert. So it really, uh, really yeah. kind of copies, really kind of copies uh, Mario three. It certainly um, does. But then you you go through this collection of a escalator number of coins within a time limit. And what's interesting is that the coins are not just all there for the taking. Instead, buildings appear in these procedurally generated environments. So every game is different. And there's always, oh, this element, should I go over here? Should I grab some coins? Oh my gosh, this building, you know, looks looks like it has a lot of coins. Should I jump over there? It's always... Yeah, don't forget the piggy bank. Yeah, and then there's a piggy bank at the bottom um, which yes. you deposit your, your coins into. So so it's a really good recipe that's enhanced by this gradual buildup of tension. Uh, the first couple stages, you get warmed up. And if you collect enough coins under time in a single sweep, 
without getting hit by an enemy, uh, you can earn up to three end-of-level bonuses. And those give you things like a coin magnet, you have the ability to upgrade your weapon, uh, you have a shoulder charge ability. One of the things you can also invest in is if an enemy hits you, you drop most of your coins Sonic style. They go everywhere, right? <laughs> they go everywhere. Yeah. And you can reduce the, the amount that you lose, which is really cool. Um, and just Eventually, like Sonic, as an upgrade. Yeah, and just like Sonic, I go absolutely nuts when I lose my coin, <laughs> and I want to reset the game. <laughs> uh, the game is addictive as hell. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, and, and a lot of people have talked about um, the game's multiplayer component being only uh, only local oriented. And to me, I, I didn't even play local. Uh, I really enjoyed just the single player element of trying to progress absolutely. through the campaign. Tell me about what you've been playing. Well, um, one of the recent games that I got to play was uh, Monsters Ate My Birthday Cake. <laughs> this is, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just quite a game. It's an indie puzzle game developed by Sleep Ninja and mm-hmm. published by Carton Network. This is a very small, creative uh, three-man studio, which is run a Kickstarter mm-hmm. earlier this year. And they raised about 26000 and launched uh, the game in this uh, late June. Wow. I must say I was pleasantly surprised about the game. I've been so busy lately that I even forgot what a weekend felt like. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I remember one of my friends uh, actually bought me the game as a gift, and I think by that she meant something like, it's the working woman, you know? So right. but as soon as I got to play it, I sincerely enjoyed it. I loved it very much, so thank you, Jennifer, for that. Okay, let's get started with the story. <laughs> You are a little boy named Nico, and the game starts the moment you wake up and your birthday cake is gone. Sadly, you wake up, you know, to cake crumbs all over the place, and obviously, you know, someone stole the cake. I think it's monsters. Uh, Spoiler alert. (laughs) Sorry. And uh, at first, of course, the premise of the game is that you actually have to, you know, go find it, and this is what leads into the adventure. Surprisingly enough, the narrative of the game is quite enjoyable, uh, something that probably most people don't expect from a casual game, but it's got great humor, uh, and the story seems to grow with the US thing as things get complicated. Mm. From a gameplay standpoint, I found it quite smart and fun. Uh, it's all about solving environmental puzzles in the best uh, the Legend of Zelda style. Mm-hmm. Uh, some puzzles seem a little bit obvious. Some others are a little bit unfair. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it is not even about level. Sometimes in one level you can jump from something very easy to something very complicated and to something quite simple I went again. So um, to solve the, the, the puzzles, you require the help of the monsters. So, of course, you only get started with only one. And as you progress into the game, you get to unlock them progressively, of course. And sometimes you get to unlock some others with specific tasks or, you know, kind of like quests or something. The monsters are all different. Some of them can tackle objects out of the way. Some can freeze water. <laughs> and some can even fart and intoxicate enemies. And I think there's... Wow. Uh, yes, there's... <laughs> Is his name Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Okay. There is, you know, actually, Jeremy played this game too. Yeah. He liked it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there's one that can vomit rainbows, which, uh, of course, Wait, this is. Vomit rainbows? Yes. Wow. And of course, this is my favorite one. Um, having the option to play with all these multiple characters, I mean, the little Nico and, and all these monsters, allows you to, for a, what I will say, a very dynamic gameplay. You, of course, move in all four directions. You've got uh, an action key uh, 
for your own special moves as well for monster-specific skills. Ideally, what you would do in the puzzle areas is to collect all the pieces of the cake as well as, you know, eventually being able to collect coins and keys and whatever else uh, task that you have available in that area. Stars, uh, you, you actually get to collect stars per area as well, uh, you know, given with uh, if you collect amount of treasures or coins and stuff in specific amounts of times and whatnot. Regarding the music, um, there's not much else to say besides the fact that it's well, fantastic. It's uh, got <laughs> the collaboration of Disaster Peace, who is uh, the people that worked on the music for Beat Trip Runner 2. Oh, yeah. And Felipe's Pescados Fest which I know is your perfect, favorite person in the whole world. I'll <laughs> <laughs> say about that. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> that was a monster. That was a monster. Wasn't sure, me. sure. Monster yes. noises. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things about... <laughs> one of my favorite things about the game uh, has got to be the visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the indie team, the game uh, is inspiring Japanese pop art, actually, mm-hmm. which uh, combines different influences from, you know, this whimsical, cutesy kind of look into this vector um, artwork. Mm. It's clean, it's colorful, it's playful, and of course, it's just quite adorable as well. It's like me. So there's. Sure, let's <laughs> go with that. <laughs> not, They're about not clean. 12. <laughs> 12 characters to play with. Uh, you have about 10 outfits that you can actually get for Nico. Uh, I think it's 16 achievements. And, well, all of this in one big island in, like, five areas to explore. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you like puzzles and you like indie games, I recommend you to check it out. Hmm. Sounds cool. Did you have to use a fac or anything to get past some of the puzzles? No, I was. I actually got stuck a lot, yeah. but um, yeah, especially at the very end because you have a combination of not just different monsters, but you've got a combination of like different uh, realms or something like realities. It's really good because there's a lot of things that you don't expect that you as you progress. Usually, you know, you you expect the casual games to be simple and fun, but this is a lot of cute and this is a lot of story and this is a lot of elements in together that they put together. It makes it for a great game. Awesome. Now, is that the final build? Or is it in beta? No, that's the final one. I think oh, they released okay. the the mobile one oh, around cool. June, and they got the PC release in July. Hmm. Okay. Maybe I'll it's check on it. Steam right now. Yeah, maybe I'll check it out. Okay. So, Monsters, eat my birthday cake. You I have stole. to do Monster Noises, by the way. I did, for Felipe Pescado. Does that wrap things up for Indie Outlook? I don't want it to end. You don't want it to end? It's got to end sometime. Oh. Because i got to go back to Terrahedron. You're obsessed with that game. Jeez. It's really good. It's really good. All you do is tweet about it now. No, I've put out maybe two, three tweets. Tops. Well, that's all you do in one day, so. Yeah, Terrahedron and Ramen. <laughs> that's my existence. Okay. Anyways. Thank you for listening, guys. Yes, thank you so much. Sorry about the long recess. It's all it's all your fault. No, it's your fault. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> no, it's, it's Felipe's Pescado. <laughs> yes, and the monsters.
You guys ready for reader mail? Reader yeah. mail. Ready for reader mail. Hey, this is the part of the show where I really excel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we have a question from Sinful One. Uh, he or she asks, were there any smaller games from E3 that took you by surprise? What was yep. at E3 this year? Me. Who- yeah. <laughs> um, I have one. I got, Destiny. Uh, I was gonna say I have one too, Robert. Do you? But do you, say, you go uh, first? Okay, it's probably is it the, the one. is it the Japanese one with the surprisingly with the... no. I'm oh. gonna say no. The one that really surprised me uh, was Sherlock Holmes: Crime and Punishment. Yeah. 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 Um, because first of all, I'm not a huge adventure game fan. Can I, can I admit that? Um, just like Jeremy's not a... Oh, uh, my God! Uh, oh, no, no, but, but, no, but, but I think... Oh. I, I think uh, the publisher... Ma- <laughs> Why uh, do you Maximum hate games, Adventure Game? They, they really broke the ice. And if you haven't seen it, this was my favorite uh, E3 2014 trailer. It's Watson and Holmes grooving to uh, I Gotta Break Free from Queen. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. But se- seriously, if that trailer does not produce a smile, uh, nothing that the industry produces will crack that stony mug of yours. So uh, from what I remember, there's about seven cases. And then uh, what you do is you go to the murder scenes and search for clues. And, and because you're, you're uh, in the role of Holmes, you have uh, Sherlock Vision, which not the name they use, just a dumb one I made up, to kind of scan the environment. And then you assemble the clues together on this logic board, which is this huge graphical representation, like a logic chart. Um, But what makes the game for me is that you're free to give the police um, any kind of faulty piece of deductive reasoning, and then you have to live with the consequences of knowing that you put an innocent person away. And so uh, I was told that when uh, the public becomes, uh, you know, aware or... um, that, that Holmes made a error in naming the killer, they become more skeptical, mm-hmm. uh, which is really kind of cool. And you, you continue through the game. You don't automatically fail. Um, and, and it was obvious that uh, the developers, Frogware, they did a, a huge amount of research, not only with the Doyle's book, but also um, where the name comes from, Crime and Punishment, uh, which is kind of cool with the ethical implications. And then um, I, I didn't mention they used the Unreal Engine to kind of recreate... Um, Victorian London. And I really like the character design. To me, they, yeah. they just really nailed Holmes and, and Watson. Well, so I think they, I'm, it I'm helped, really looking forward to the game. It helped that they paid so much attention to the... I mean, they looked at the aesthetics, not just of the books, but of pretty much every permutation cinematically that's a, that's existed. Yeah, yeah. And they really incorporated sort of... Which I like, because if you've followed Sherlock Holmes at all as a mm-hmm. as a fan, you're going to get a little taste of any... You know, if it's if you like the recent movies, if you like the older yeah. movies, if you like the... Like, you'll see some of that there. I'm not sure if there's the fighting. Did they mention that? The guy reaching I, fighting? I don't remember. I mean, because they were so much more so focused on the on the quipping and on the uh, aesthetics and on the detective work. Yeah. Um, but we should I, be getting I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even um, care if there wasn't fighting in the game. In fact, right. that might break you up. But it really looked cool, uh, the direction that they took that. You know, Instead of just, I'm going to hunt for a pixel in the environment that stands out. Um, right. Instead, it's, it's really closer to what Holmes would be doing. Right. So... That and then cool. he's also Sherlock Holmes is also making an appearance appearance in Phoenix Wright. So yes, is he? I hadn't heard that. Yeah, I think so we'll have to do a Holmes versus Holmes. Uh, you know, yeah. see which one is. Yeah. See which Spoilers, one comes across probably better. Capcom. Well, uh, is I Leighton, predict Sherlock is Holmes also going to be in there. I don't think it's a. I think it's just a Holmes Wright. I don't think it's Holmes Wright. Layton. I think it's the Cross next. Layton. It's just like the next full fledged Ace Attorney game. 
but mm-hmm. it's I think it stars Sherlock Holmes. I don't. Are they going to have Phoenix in there at all? Uh, well, it says it's. Uh, I don't know. I guess it says it's an ace. I, I, I it's it's uh, like a, an ancestor of Phoenix Wright. I think so. It's not actually Phoenix uh, Wright. It's that's kind of cool. Some other mm. character. So allegedly, it could even be in the same like Sherlock Holmes continuity. Maybe. Hmm. I mean, I'm going to have to go to the Sherlock Holmes wiki and uh, you know just verify this. Bakerstreet.com. Yeah, yeah, bakerstreet.wikia.com. <laughs> I, I uh, actually here's a little interesting bit of trivia. I share a birthday with uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, so I am a, a required uh, Sherlock Holmes fan. Hmm. Required? I, yes, I have no choice. Obligatory. I'm just by birth. Yes. So, uh, any other games? Oh, Sage, what game I, are you talking about? I liked that um, surprisingly because it was so simple. I mean, the question said small games. What was that one? With the she the girl the Japanese game she's got a violin and it's the side scrolling and you're fighting uh, ghosties with your violin. Do you remember? Uh, is that the one on the Vita? Mm. Not, you're not talking about Murasaki Baby or whatever, is it? No, no, it wasn't that. It was when we went to what was the first big game we went to see with the? It was the sequel. It was um. Oh, was it was it at the Namco Bandai booth? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The Bandai Namco booth. Oh, yeah, sorry. It, yeah, Bandai Namco. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel victim Welcome to, to the gaming tech podcast. <laughs> and, and now, and now I can't remember the name of it. But you're, you're, it's a side scroller, and you're right. fighting like the Omiyusha kind of ghosts. And mm-hmm. and every time you get a combo right, it like stacks up more geometrical shapes and sounds that sort right. of go across the screen to kill the ghosts. I and think it was a mobile game. Maybe. Anyway, I, so, yeah. dear reader, I'm very sorry that I can't remember the name, and if I remember it, I will tell you in the next podcast. But that game was uh, surprisingly really good and lots of fun, very smooth, hmm. yeah. really simple. But I second I, uh, the Sherlock Holmes thing. Sherlock yeah. Holmes is good, too. Uh, you know, so- th- I can think of one other smaller game, and I use the term smaller kind of loosely. I, I think it's a game that's probably going to get... God well, I, I think it's that's one okay, of those Blue. games that's going to slip slip through the cracks. And... This is not for me being like a Wii U a Wii U owner because I'm not. Mew. I think Splatoon has potential to be a smaller title that really deserves to have more success than a, than it will probably get. Did you guys play it at E3? I didn't play it. I saw it. Mm. Look cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I could see it doing really well. Actually, I mean, especially with the younger crowd. Um, I looked at it a little bit. It seemed pretty smooth, like the mechanics, um, and it's it's a really inventive, you know, way of doing a multi a multiplayer third person shooter. So I I think it could do okay, actually. It's kind of like a my first FPS type of thing, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Meets the blob. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now the big Jeremy, question is: Are we going to get Mario with the flood on his back? <laughs> yeah, I'll play. I'll play Splatoon. I mean, it is kind of squiddy, sort of. Uh, what did you, you know, call it? Squiddy? Squid, squiddy. Oh, Looks speaking like... of which, can we get Squid Girl in there? Please. <laughs> that anime was awesome. I, I was going to say kind of like, you know, Dream of the Fisherman's Wife kind of, uh, you know. No? Nobody? I, you guys like, you guys so like Japanese just, stuff? It's going to be okay. so disgusting. There's no way to respond to you without it turning gross. Well, it's, it already is that. So if no. you guys want to know the origin of tentacles in anime... Uh, do not look up on the internet the dream of the fisherman's wife uh, woodblock prints. Uh, 
So actually, actually, that whole thing with the octopus and he has sex with the woman is like a really significant cultural part of their history. Like it was a whole God Obviously. allegory story. No, no. <laughs> but the reason it became such a big deal in anime and everything is because they're sort of making a humorous crack at the fact that it's actually like a really serious thing. Like they're straight laced Japanese businessmen who will have a, a picture of that or like a book on that in there because it's like part of their it's like a really serious thing for them part of their history anyway so i'll be picking up uh Spassoon probably <laughs> and uh dream of the fisherman's wife with that's, a, that's how i uh, explain my, my blu-ray collection yeah so <laughs> historical significance. so my answer to this question is not necessarily um the, the game itself I, I mean i did play it but uh, do you remember when sony i think it was um adam boys i believe was up on stage and he yeah. was talking about that's part of the show. Yeah, he was talking about um, just about their work that they've done with with different indie studios. And he showed this game called Entwined, which was about a bird and a fish that yeah. fall in love. And uh, and and the game is sort of a uh, I don't know, like res, like tunnel, um, you know, tunnel vision kind Did of it thing. Come out? And he yeah. said it is available right now. Right now, oh, right, right now yeah. on the PlayStation Network on the PS3 and PS4. And because everybody was there. Yeah, exactly. So I I played it actually, and it was okay. Right. But uh, <laughs> it was no, actually, um, it, it, it definitely gave me a feel. I mean, kind of in the same way that I was talking about Sword Art Online, where you can sort of see the seams, and you know, like it's you know, as long as you can sort of overlook those sort of production value things, you could tell that it was a student production that had had some assistance, you know, by maybe a, a bigger team. But it was really cool to me that they even bothered to do something like that, that they would bother to take the time on stage at a press conference like that, promote yeah. a, a game that they felt was worth, you know, from, from out of the student, you know, the dregs of the student-produced, you know, titles out there, where, where really some really, really creative stuff is happening, even if it doesn't have the production value that you can really sell. And they brought it up and said, you know what, this is available right now on the PlayStation Network for you. And, uh, and, and like I said, it's, you know, it's not bad. Yeah. Oh, take cool. take a look at it, but I, I thought that that was a really cool moment of E3. All right, any more mailbag? As opposed to no, that's uh, actually, it. I do. I thought we'd move on. Well, to, I do have oh. one quick question. Sure. Uh, everybody can go around really quick from Count underscore Elmdor on Twitter. Uh, he says he's interested in goals and challenges we set for ourselves. What games would you like to play, or under what constraints? Is there one that got away that always bugged you, or some classic you never got around to? That sort of thing. Mm, good question. So I, I'm always working on this, uh, and you know, even just recently, earlier this year, I played Chrono Trigger, which I had never played before. It was my first time. Uh, so I'm always looking at some of those old games, old classics that I haven't gotten around to. Uh, to be honest with you, my entire uh, like backlog, and any time I look at my game shelf, and any time I, uh, any time I hear about anybody talking about a game, and I'm like, oh shit, I did not play that. Oh my god, am I ever going to get around to that? Uh, so my my. You know, my PSP has things like um, um, uh, now, and I, I've been blanking on stuff all night tonight. But uh, what, what's the game that everyone liked that had the like the hundred warriors, and it was a uh, like an original PlayStation game? Suikoden. Suikoden. Oh yeah. Mm. Uh, um, oh so yeah. Hundred yeah, and eight. 108. And so I've got Suikoden, yeah. the first one on my PSP. I've had it there for probably like 10 years and I've never played it and it's on my list and I'm going to get to it. But literally every time, I mean, I haven't played uh, the Metal Gear series. I want to finish that. I, this this question is almost harder for me to, to boil down and pick one particular answer because I'm always on the lookout for things that are either of uh, cultural 
cultural significance or things that have influenced other video games to to go back and experience those things that uh, Earthbound. I've never played an Earthbound game. Uh, I got it's that just, for my birthday this year. It's just all humiliating, and you know, it's nice that that stuff is is coming back on things like Virtual Console and stuff to to give you a second chance, even if you've had it sitting on your shelf. Um, you know, Final Fantasy games. I mean, Final Fantasy four, five, six. I've never played those. I jumped from one straight to like twelve. Um, Dragon Quest for me. Yeah, Dragon Quest. Yeah, um, just just all kinds of stuff. I mean, what is not on on my list of goals? So what I should probably do is I should probably set myself some time limits. Otherwise, I'm just always looking longingly at these games that I'll never play. So I should play a game for you know two weeks and get as far as I can in it, and then hang it up and and go on to something else. But it's those kinds of things, things that are just sort of you know little embarrassments. I need to go back and play the latest uh, Devil May Cry. <laughs> oh, I gave it I gave it about two hours. DMC. It, it didn't, yeah, it didn't, oh, yeah. DMC, it I, didn't I played about two hours of enough. that, and I really liked it. I need to go back oh to that. Oh, my God. Actually. DMC is awesome. It is, it is. the best. Yeah. It is. That was another I, I game can't... I played during the summer that time forgot. <laughs> I, I am usually very, like, reasonable when someone has bad things to say, but I will brook no bad comment about DMC. Um, it's it's excellent. I mean, even the stuff about it that you know, even even the character of Dante now, he's like this bad boy, and it's usually like an eye rolling thing. But whatever, like the delivery, like just whoever was doing the voice acting and, and the way they delivered it, and the characters, like I buy into it. Like this guy is just some punk kid, and even even that that stuff, like even the most eye rolling stuff about it, I still really liked, and they just did it perfectly. Boss fight after boss fight, so good, so good. Robert, play it. Yakuza too. Yes, I have the entire Yakuza series of Street Crap, and I haven't played it um, Now here's one you guys may not uh, remember. Uh, Mark of Cry. Mark yeah, Cree. Mark the Mark of Cry and Rise and of the Rise Kasai. Kasai. Mark Echo's getting up. No, I played that one. No, there was there was something about I played a little bit of that. I think I played a demo until he got hooked and bought it and just never got back to it. But I, I just like the character design, the bird's eye view. I just thought it was you know, had some creative ideas. Yeah. I think for me, um it's like I always look at Final Fantasy games. It's like if I find one on sale or what or whatever. In the case of uh Final Fantasy uh, ten and ten two H D, it's like I bought I bought the PS Vita version, and then I liked it so much, I'm like, okay, I'll get it on PS3, because I can find the limited edition now, and I probably won't in two weeks. And I just don't play them. It's like, I've been chipping away at Final Fantasy XIII for a couple of months now, and I'm only about eight hours in or so, so it's like, one of my goals is to finish a Final Fantasy game more than just you know, just one which I have, which uh, was Final Fantasy X on PS2, and then I rebought the HD remaster because I needed to play X2, and I figured, eh, yeah, what the hell, I'll do it on Vita. But, you know, that's one thing I really want to do is not just stop buying Final Fantasy games, but actually finish them when I start playing them. It's like I chip away at Dissidia, and Dissidia is a good Final Fantasy game because it's not really a Final Fantasy game. It's more of a fighting game. So it's kind of a little easier for me to ship away at. But when I'm playing a home console, Final Fantasy 13, Final Fantasy game, whatever, I just, it's like I have to work myself up to sit to power on the system and sit down to play a JRPG. And that's one reason why I like the Vita and finish Persona 4 Golden is because I was able to put it in standby, bring it out of standby and be right where I am, or right, right where I was. And with home console games, you just really can't do that. I'm surprised that, you know, I, I know that's a feature that Sony wants to bring to the PS4 
four. But I'm surprised it's taken that long for that feature to get around. Um, I was just thinking the other the other game I didn't play. I own. I I don't know why I never opened it. Uh, the last Ratchet and Clank. Oh yeah. Into the Nexus. Oh, yeah. So I'm a big fan of the series, mm-hmm. but uh, I, th- I think after what was the uh, the four all four one all four one yeah mm-hmm. that doesn't really count though right yeah. I mean that's that sort of, that's like Ratchet and Clank Gaiden. <laughs> um, for, I, for me, I only played the first Ratchet and Clank game. What is that noise about? That was me biting. <laughs> that was me biting my finger out of just shame. I only played the first Ratchet and Clank. I have I was... them all. Up your arsenal, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. I would love to play that. In fact, I have that. In fact, they re-released it on Vita, so I think I've got it on Vita now too. Mm-hmm. I need to double check that. Uh, for me, a lot of it is a is a money thing. Like there are a lot of classic games that I haven't played, and I I don't actually worry that much about it because I don't. Uh, there are some classic games that just so many people played that I'm not that concerned about playing them. Like I've heard all about them and I understand what they meant to sort of the history of gaming. Um, and I also don't have the money to buy every single game that I want to buy and play. But one game series that I still haven't played that I do have that I just have been waiting for a chunk of free time to be able to play, which might be coming up in the next couple of weeks is the mass effect series. I know it's terrible that I haven't played them yet. And especially because it was such a like cutting edge. Oh my God. Kind of thing. But, um, but I have them all and I'm ready to play them. So that's same. That's my big thing that I want to tackle in the next few months. Can I just mention a game that I brought open and it aged horribly (laughs) is Armia two. Oh Yeah. I tried to play a little co-op with a friend. That game was so clunky and horrible yep. and not fun at all. Yep. You know what <laughs> makes me sad is some of the old horror games, like old Resident Evil yeah. or old Silent Hill. I want to play them again, but you try and you're like, I, I run like I'm limping yeah. and dying. Like, I can't function with this kind of clunk. Tank controls. Tank controls. Yep. 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 Time for game trivia. Right. Trivia. I've, I've got a little bit of a rusty ring. For this, so Jesus, I just, just sounds so gross, like some kind yeah. of Ugh. bad foreplay. I, th- I think a doctor can take it. We'll see, Doctor Robert, Doctor okay. Deagle, Doctor Deagle. <laughs> Question one: Whether or not gamers chanted encore isn't relevant this week. The rhythm Final Fantasy Curtain Call makes its debut on store shelves and on the eShop. Identify the one non-truth about this game. Uh-oh. A, over 200 songs. B, 60 characters. C, a Tamagotchi-like chocobo raising minigame. D, a versus mode where players can inflict different status effects on one another. Or E, a daily feature track which presents a different song every day. Which one's not true? I'm going to say, which one is the Chocobo one? Like having a Chocobo minigame, Chocobo Racing? Yeah, I'm I'm saying no Chocobos. Chocobo Racing. Do you remember that, Chocobo Racing for the PS1? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. No Chocobos. I'm pretty Uh, sure it has at least 60. Hmm? I said 200 sounds, 200 songs sounds like a lot to me. It does, but it's kind of like with the characters. I mean, I mean, it's got to have at least sixty. And for a series that you know had music out the yin yang and Dissidia, I mean, two hundred songs—that doesn't exactly sound like a stretch. Uh, well, I was just thinking about storage capacity on the 3DS. I mean, the the mobile version, mm-hmm. I think, can you know they can do a bunch of DLC all day long for that. But 
uh, if they're doing a mobile version. I know they did one for the first one. Uh, I actually, to be honest with you, my first inclination also was the Chocobo. I mean, that seems like the kind of thing they would do, but it also seems like the kind of thing that would be easy to make up. So I think I might go with that. Actually, I was hoping that there was going to be one where the only game that you could play on it was just uh, different versions and, and remixes of One Winged Angel over and over forever. Because that's the only song. This, this is becoming chat trivia. You're supposed to pick an answer. Yeah, Chocobo. <laughs> I think um, I think I'm gonna go with uh, D. I think that was multiplayer status effect thingy. Correct answer. Chocobo raising. Ah, shit. I, I think most of the music is MIDI, so they can fit 200. It sounds really good though. Really mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, number question number two after. Also shipping this week is Ultimate Ninja Storm Revolution, which is the fifth entry in CyberConnect 2's popular franchise. Name the new character created for the game. Oh, boy. Is it A, Oni Sasuke, B, Mecha Naruto, <laughs> C, Tanuki Kakashi, or D, Pirate Girl Sakura? Those names are so hard. <laughs> I'm going to go with Robo Wait. Naruto. There is no robo. It's Mecha. Oh, sorry. Machigata, Jeremy. Robo Naruto. Yeah, I, I got it. Given given how Japan stuff, Japanese stuff usually works, I'm going to go with Mecha Naruto, too. I'm going to say Oni Sasuke. And the correct answer is Robo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, far, my rusty ring is. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to finish that metaphor. Jeremy, you and I are neck and neck. <laughs> you better ease up on your zinc yeah. levels, Jeremy. <laughs> Number three, seemingly re- redos of recent games are all the rage. Name the title which doesn't have a director's cut coming out this Uh-oh. week. A, Joe Danger 2. B, Kick Beat. Or C, Shadowrun Dragonfall. Which one doesn't have a director's mm. cut? I'm going to say Joe Danger. Is it is it is it I'm called gonna... it is it called a director's cut or do you just mean any special edition that's coming out at all? A special edition. Okay. Give me give me the give me what, one of them one of them's called. Give a me the choices again. Sure. Joe Danger Two, okay. Kick Beat, or Shadow Run Dragonfall. <sighs> I'm gonna. I'll, I think I'll agree on Joe Danger Two because I don't know that that. Had, had another version? Nah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Shadowrun. Correct answer. Jody. Yes. Oh yes, I'm Wait, on the board. Doesn't Rusty Ring and Tech. Doesn't have or does yes. have? Doesn't. Oh, I totally misheard you. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have a director's cut. Yes. Joe Danger too. Just, just Joe Danger more. But there <laughs> is a the Joe number four. Hey, hey, I call bullshit. There yes. is a director's cut of Joe Danger, isn't there? Oh, the first one. It's not coming out this week. Uh, it's not coming out this week. Fuck! I was confused. Tricky question. Bullshit question. <laughs> number four. Virtual Console sees the release of the Natsume published Wild Guns, while the protagonists Clint and Annie obviously stand in for Eastwood and Oakley. Name the type of enemies that the duo take down. A, cowboy ninjas. B, evil robots. C, filthy capitalistic pigs. Or D, 
mutant dinosaurs. Uh, <laughs> now, Wild Guns, was that... That was a Super Nintendo game, wasn't it? Yes, that was. Crap. Good job, Blue. No bonus points. Retro. You're asking, what are the enemies? <laughs> yes, what are the enemies? What's orange? Wait, what do them again. might be in other games, but aren't there until next week? Ninjas, robots, capitalistic pigs, mutant dinosaurs. Uh, robots. I'm going to go with A. I was going to go with A also, yep. ninjas. Always robots. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Correct answer. Evil Yay! robots. Always oh. go with the robots. <laughs> Dude, it's always robots when it's Japanese. Darn. It should always be robots. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go with the E. Put it in. No, oh, Always the answer. <laughs> always put it in. Number five. Put it in the Looking Super ahead to next week, Magica publisher Arrowhead Games is preparing their take on Gauntlet, an update to the original quarter-munching dungeon crawl. What year did the original game come out? A, 1983, B, 1985, C, 1987, or D, 1999. Damn it, I was actually going to say 1984 if that was a choice, so I'm going to go with 1983. Okay. Um, I'm going to say uh, 84 was B, right? No, there was no 84. No, there's no yeah, 84. That's just what I had in my mind when he was reading the answers. Oh, crap. <laughs> 80, 83, 85, 87, or 89? Uh, I, I think I'll agree with Jeremy on 83. Seems like I, 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 Just to clarify, you did say that you said the arcade, right? Yeah, the original okay, arcade right. version. The first yeah. Gauntlet. So is the new one called, oh. like, GXK? No, it's just called Gauntlet. I'm, I'm going to say 85. Correct answer. 1980. No! Yes! Ah, <laughs> rusty ring broken. <laughs> That's the year I was born. You were born. You're just as old as I am the. I am the Gauntlet. Yeah. I women don't like food. saying their age. I think most women are stupid, so I don't know what to tell you. No, I, I, wow. I, I don't know why people are controversial telling opinions. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And sp- speaking of Gauntlet, at E3 they had a Gauntlet food yeah. truck, and I was trying to remind people that in Gauntlet, every once in a while, the food would yeah. be poisoned. Oh, God. They should do, like, fun out few, few remembered that. I, yeah, when you said that, I was like, good call. <laughs> I don't think it did that in the NES version, though, I don't think. Uh, Maybe not. I, no, I never played the arcade version, only the NES version. But we had the four, the what did they call that thing? The four controller splitter, so you could play with four people. Uh-huh. The four yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did it. Not okay. the harem. Mom, we're going to four way. Uh... Multi tap. Yeah, the multi tap. No, no, you, was it the yeah. multi tap? Yeah, maybe it was. Multi tap was. I remember what the one was for the PlayStation. Yeah. It still sounds Anyway, it was, it was something different. Any. Yeah, yeah. I was. I uh, anyway. my heart was broken when the DS version of Gauntlet was canceled. So I'm excited for yeah. this. Um, no, I do remember the NES being a fairly respectable port. I think it was by Tengen Games, right? Uh, possibly. I Germany. Don't <laughs> I don't remember the name Tengen is in association with Gauntlet. I, I want to say it had something. To do with it. Yeah, yeah. They put out some of the Atari games. The Tengen uh, version of Tetris is that one that's super expensive. Huh. Yeah, right. Well, that's because they had to recall it. Yeah. Um, I you know I want to say like a claim, but I'm looking it up right now. Nope, it says tension. Developer tension. Yep. You got it. So Jeremy, you can't fuck with my retro. I guess not. <laughs> you know all no, that Namco Bandai. <laughs> 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 anyway, 
Speaking of slip-ups, thank you for listening to the Tech Gaming Podcast. Wait, 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 wait. And wait, if you like what are, you heard today... Are you calling it saying that the listeners, by listening to this podcast, are slipping up? Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, by listening to Jeremy. Oh, Chris. I see. <laughs> thank you for listening to the, to the Tech Gaming Podcast. If you like what you heard today, chances are you will love what we write. If you care to hear our thoughts in under 40 characters or less, you can follow us on Twitter. I am tech underscore gaming. Sage is at Samurai. Jeremy is Jeremy underscore Lamont. Blue Swim is Blue Swim. And Psy is Psy. O-M-G-T-F. Thank you for listening. And you can follow us on Facebook. 